0: Podcast time again, folks, with the Crash Course podcast. I, of course, I'm Stormageddon. I'm John.
1: I am Steve. Again. I want to. Steve no, again. No, you can't say again. It doesn't work. No, but I want a. I want a cool nickname. Uh, dumbass. No, I want a stage name. John Ageddon sounds worse than Steve Ageddon, though, at least. You have a stage I name. Have, it's Jan seconds. Saunders. I'm, I'm going to smash this hot coffee cup <laughs> Come right on! Your face. Why won't you embrace John Saunders? It's a it's, stage name. Oh, I think it's the root I of all freaking, your problems. Oh, Me too. Oh, God. I quit. What was your obnoxious name? I
0: can't remember. It was like Stefan something. I'll search Stephen through 192 episodes. I'll find it. Yeah, it's there I thought it
1: was Stefan yeah. Nagel. So you were Matt Sturm. Yeah, Matt Stern. Hmm. Yeah, McGurr, I believe You were, you were giving oh, us yeah. sperms at the time. Yeah, I was. Yeah, um, nothing sounds quite as original as Jan Saunders, though. That's true. It
0: just sounds right. Oh my god, <laughs> it sounds so right. Um, <laughs> Dude, and now we. I'm stuck here. <laughs> and now we go to Jan Saunders with the weather, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, we will be doing that with the album. Sure. Um, wow, he sure does. Uh, we're <laughs> off, off to a great start. Um, John, why don't you tell us about your pick for this week before we dive in? Oh,
1: no announcements. No, okay. no I got nothing no this announcements? week. Okay. He really wanted a segue. (laughs) I wanted, yeah. I'm just throwing him in cold.
0: Yep.
2: -hmm. This week I was trolling various uh, sites with new releases, all that sort of stuff, Pitchfork, Metacritic, all that sort, and I came across the idea of experimental electronica, and that enticed me. Just those two words together always makes me feel warm and
1: cold at the same time, because you never know what you're going to get. First, I gotta ask: Were you scrolling through all these sites, or were you actually trolling them? I was and, trolling, like, them. bothering them. At I was the same bothering time. some of the things. Okay. Well, Metacritic, I like to bother. No, that's hard journalism. Yeah. I like that. Mm. That's the Crash code spirit. But Metacritic isn't. Mm, true. Yeah. Well, no. then do you troll Metacritic, and then we have a little war within the community? Yeah.
2: Well, truth. As I was going down, and I saw this experimental electronica. I was just. I love that word, experimental, because experimental usually promotes the idea of, well, you're going to get a new instrument, or you're going to get a new sound, or you're going to get a new idea, or you're going to break form. And I like breaking form. I like things that push the boundaries, because how do you find out where the boundaries actually are unless you're pushing them, unless you're trying to exceed them? And whenever you have something experimental, it can go one of two ways. And that's why I both am warm and cold on this word. The warmth comes from the fact that we get such great music out of the experimental ideas. We get such amazing genres. We Nothing would happen things. in music exactly. if people didn't do that at least once. Well, there's, there's, you can push the bounds within your safety of your field, of your genre, of your type. Mm-hmm. But
1: experimental means you're trying something that people don't even think about. That's kind of how I was feeling like back in episode 36 when you and Joe Rude were having this uh, debate on all the... Or conversation, intellectual conversation on all the different levels of ska and how deeply it goes down. Like, I would never have known that people stayed within that little swirl for that long. Honestly, honestly... so many genres, some genres
2: Yeah, when I first got into it, I didn't even know there was more than just ska. And then I started delving in and getting two-tone and all that sort of stuff and delving in and getting, like, oh, it's as as varied as rock. It just doesn't seem to be as explored. Forget Forget swirl, that's a whirlpool. (laughs) (laughs) But the coldness comes to go back on topic. (laughs) The coldness comes when you start getting the weird stuff that is just not working. And that happens a lot with experimental as well. You get dead ends. You get ideas that just don't translate well. You get a lot of artists that produce something and it's supposed to be provocative and it ends up just falling on deaf ears. Whether it's one or two people that just don't get it or it's the masses and that artist feels like their work is just destroyed. Their work is just meaningless because nobody accepts it. Well. It's such a polarizing idea for me. I had to go into it when I saw Experimental Electronica. And I saw the album Mutant by ARCA. And I listened to it and I kind of, it was weeks before I actually announced it. I I listened to it and I got samples here and there and everywhere and I knew that at worst it was going to be a nice discussion. At best we're gonna fall in love with it. But at worst, it's going to be something that would at least promote new ideas in our, at least our musical discussion. And that's something that we can always bring to the table. Absolutely. I did find out afterwards, and this is, this is just the fact that, I don't know, we just seem to have a habit of picking people that worked with other people. Arca
1: did most, if not all, the production work on Vulnicura by Bjork which was the first album that we did of this year, 2016. Episode 176. Check it out. And we probably mentioned... No, I know that we mentioned him. Because then when I searched on his wiki page, I was like, this guy looks familiar. He's 26-year-old. He's born in 1990. And I was... I'm thinking, like... That's, that's really young for, for a guy of this of this magnitude and such esteem within the electronica community And I was wondering where I saw him before and we had checked him out And I remember thinking the same exact thing because it was deja vu I thought that back in episode 176 when we mentioned Arca back then So yeah, things have a way of coming back to us But now we get to actually talk about him in some depth. Uh, Like I just said, he was born in 1990 in Caracas, Venezuela. And he was born into a wealthy family. This is straight up from Wikipedia here. Anyone can find this out. His father was an investment banker, and his mother studied international studies. His family moved to Connecticut for a time before returning to live in a gated community where he was privately educated and had the luxury of piano lessons. He describes his childhood as kind of in a bubble and had difficulty accepting the fact that he was gay. So there's that that everyone knows going in. And some things start to make sense in this album. Other things just feel like his own world that he's created that have no relevance to his life or anyone's life or, or the universe itself. So let's delve, uh, pondered. In, it's deep. Pondered. <laughs> let's delve into this world with the first track, Alive. Alive. All right, so I'm going to set aside the fact that this is electronica for just a moment. Because obviously, that's not very descriptive. This is actually our third electronica album in a row, so when we talk about texture, we gotta be extra specially specific about what we're talking about, uh, what it's doing, and how we feel about it. But we'll only set it aside for just a moment, because actually I believe that in the beginning of this album, the aesthetic here is a more true form of electronica than we typically look at. So I'd like to start with the rhythm first, because that is both the odd man out and the constant element here. We're dealing with what could be a grating loop in the beginning of Alive, because of how constantly accented it is. Every note is just screaming to be heard, and because of how many times it's screamed, it, it, it kind of gets on your nerves a little bit. It's a moderate to fast tempo, but there's an element that I like, and I think that you know that I like that, because in every reoccurrence, it's this barrage of triplets, happily alternating between three and two. You get sort of a triplet two and triplet 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 this like halting situation where mm-hmm. you're doing triplets in, in a different way each time the first time it's just the basic uh you might get an eighth note value such as that little two and that i did sometimes you get just a an eighth note value triplet like the very first one i did triplet two and and then you get the lightning fast triplets the sixteenth note triplets triplet triplet right and it, at that point it almost sounds like just a blur it sounds like everything is just meshing together because it's a very you know dense situation that you've got here and it creates such a wonderful stutter step i mean how can such a basic rhythmic tool be so satisfying. I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for triplets, and I've made that abundantly clear over the course of this podcast. But now, aesthetically, I say that this feels like a truer form of electronica because because of, number one, the sounds that are chosen, and number two, those various rhythms that we associate less with fluid musical human emotions and more with machines. When I hear those alternating on-off triplets, I picture a transmitter or an old SOS signal, you know, dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. Even, in fact, the the telltale cell phone noise when someone leaves their phone too close to too sensitive audio equipment. We've all heard this at some point. Whenever you receive a call, you hear that unique rate of digital pulses as your phone establishes communication with the tower. In fact, if you listen somewhere nebulously around the 50 four-minute mark on episode 192, Varmints by Anna Meredith, you will hear Matt's phone doing that same thing. And we feared that that would happen ever since episode one, and it finally happened. <laughs> well, it, it's it's fitting because Steve's the one that always forgets the silence is Right. I mean, so there's that, too. Th- th- there is that. Yeah. But yours did it. I remember the moment. Anyway, the, there's far more going on here, and there's a lot of background ambient work behind all of these pulses. Uh, a more hectic acid backdrop that comes in at some point. But I think that the chords... Uh, in the backdrop, are really what makes this track stand out to me, and also just that pervading rhythm for as long as it sticks around. For what's going on with the rhythm, there's also a lot of texture on the high and low end that is really
2: enticing, a lot of playing off of just various types of notes that phase in and phase out, and what I really enjoy is Uh, Especially towards the later part of the track There's a a nice alternating rapid attack Versus very calm, melodic tones This back and forth between the two Allows me to slightly, very slightly Catch my breath in between these these rapid exchanges that are going on, and it gets, gets me up, it gets me going right away. This track, Alive, very
1: appropriate for me just getting into the album. I mean, just think about the transmitter noise and SOS, the kinds of things I compare it to are things that should alert you and that's exactly the way the rhythm feels despite the fact that that the melody itself yeah it doesn't really come in for a while but once it comes in it's over you know maybe two measures at a time you'll start hearing those chords and they really they start becoming very gentle but you have to look past the rhythm at the even in those moments because that's the most dominant feature you just need to see the melody behind it
0: Uh, and i'd hate to come in and rain on anyone's parade because i do think that the the structurally the song is very interesting what it's doing is very interesting but to speak a little bit to what steve just Mentioned um, the stuttered sound that the rhythm does for pretty much the entire track, though it wanes here and there. Not the end. Uh, Well, not the very end, but for the majority of the track, that, that stuttered rhythm starts to get a little grating to me. I mean, eventually when the actual melody comes in, it's a nice little reprieve, but again, like Steve said, you kind of have to push through to hear it. And it was just, for me, I felt like I was almost... It was trying to listen to something through a conversation. You ever try and hear a conversation through another one, a louder, more upfront conversation? For me, I felt like trying to hear that melody was like deciphering two conversations and separating them. Eventually, I was able to focus on it for the majority of the second half of the
1: track, but for sure, when it first came in, I was still kind of, it felt like it was buried. Well, because they're built off of chords, I right. mean, they're 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 not like, a, it's not a straight up melody, it doesn't right. occur, you know, you don't get a full phrase over the course of a measure. Like right. I said, it's built mostly just from chords. and they they might last for two measures on end, but you get an elongated sense of a melody. Which I find abstract but brilliant and tangible in its way. Sometimes that's that's a perfect way of getting around the obvious the obvious impasse, which is this this grating rhythmic structure, which kind of by that point, by halfway through, I'm already I've already accepted. I also believe
2: as much as the melody is nice and beautiful sweeping because of its length, it's not particularly complex or no. engaging. The damage that's going on with this scat beat, with with this really breakdown, the damage is what gives the beauty to the, the sweeping, calm nature of the elongated melody, of the melody idea. That contrast is what allows me to find peace in the melody, to find beauty in it. Because otherwise, it would just be a very long, boring sound without anything else supporting it or in fact fighting against it i think it's is
1: really where the unity of this track comes in that's a good point and also let's not exaggerate the matter here it really is barely the majority of of the track i mean it's it's 1 minute 53 seconds that you get all of this over the first 1 minute and 53 seconds at that point the loop finally just collapses the rhythmic loop of triplets Cascading on top of triplets and the melody all of it is gone now, and then we just start releasing periodic bursts of raw energy Every two measures or so once again keeping that common thread there with the previous melody So the funny thing is that tonally from this point on it doesn't really feel like the track is going anywhere It's settled, but let's establish the fact that this track is three minutes and 57 seconds long So you know only for the first half of it were you getting this it didn't last forever for the last the last half of it roughly you're just settled. And that's why I say tonally it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere anymore, but because so much energy has just been released and dispersed from where we were that I compare it to like musical entropy. We can't gain that energy back again because it's all gone. It's all just poof. It's out in, in the ether. So now our best bet is to just gracefully improvise our way through a very beautiful and prolonged outro. So I was already pretty struck by Uh, the strange form that he's introduced us as of the first track. And it remains fairly fresh in all the tracks to follow. Let's let's mention now it is a 20-track album. I mean, I'll say right off the bat
0: that while I wasn't necessarily pleased with everything that I was hearing, I definitely admired what it was doing, and it was engaging. It didn't push me away. I didn't feel alienated by it. I just thought that I didn't totally enjoy all of it, but also it's meant to kind of engage you
1: differently, I feel. It's not supposed to just be mainstream and obvious. You were, stri- you were struck by a strange form that you hadn't heard before, and yeah. you were also struck by a slightly uncomfortable texture. Yeah. And I think being pleased is not what this album is going to
2: set out to do. Yeah. I was not in the if, beginning. If, if this... Track is any indication. You're not going to be
1: pleased. If well, I'm you're even, not going to be coddled. If I'm this. even close with the phrase musical entropy, then no, that is yeah, not no, going to be No coddling going on. And if we're going to talk about
2: that, the next track, Mutant, yeah, is the one that's furthest from inviting, I so guess. So track anyway. two is
0: the
1: title track, and... This yeah. is seven minutes and twenty-seven seconds. This is, I believe, the longest track on this twenty track album. And and don't fear people because this a lot of these tracks are fairly short. This one is kind of an outlier. And not just in terms not just in terms of its length, but also in terms of its terror. It was the only word that I could actually come up with for the duration of this track, and especially in the beginning, because immediately I started asking, where is the horror film for this? Where is the horror video game? This, frankly, puts Squarepusher to shame, because I admit, sometimes I don't know what the hell Squarepusher is going for, but this is here, Arca is clearly going for terror. Well, the,
2: the very onset of that high to low tapping vibration is almost a straight out of, uh, of the book kind of cue to start promoting some more energy,
1: some more apprehension, well, yeah. some more just shortness of breath going on right here. Every time these these metallic stutters enter, they, they drift, and they modulate, and then they recede to the left ear and slow their vibrations to a silence. It's just a heart-wrenching, pitch black, who the f*** is watching me kind of silence. Like I, I feel like I'm playing a, a a very, very terrifying game right now, and or someone's showing it to me. But people have always done that. They're always curious to see my reactions to scary horror games. And this is is I'm I'm there. I actually want it to be made around this song as opposed to the other way around. Well, horror like comedy is a group experience. While you can experience it on your on your own,
0: it's meant to be experienced with other people to gauge reactions. As and a to form
2: react. of entertainment, right? This
1: is not uh, this is not that. This, this is. This feels a lot more personalized than that. Yeah, I don't want to pull pull the faux pas either. I mean, because people do have a tendency too often to say, like, oh, this should be in a soundtrack. I, yeah. He's his own artist. He's no, trying this... to create his own thing, and I want to leave a lot of room for that. But certainly it, it, it may uh, it may enhance whatever your most terrible fear is at that moment. I mean, at least in track one, the computerized rhythm is approachable and consistent and perpetually accompanied by beauty alongside all of the, you know, slightly off the beaten track things. But this is just flat out fear. And if you need more proof of that, around 30 seconds, you can kind of hear a person's broken screams. At one point, they actually validate that, the terror by the, by following a spell of silence with a person who is clearly gasping. And then that gasp ushers in the next flourish which is a lot more busy and 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 uh scattered and that that flourish though the way it it doesn't
2: contrast it leads so well from that gasp but that gasp is slightly modulated it's not just a very pure voice it still sounds digitalized Mm -hmm. computerized which made the following scream that's the only thing i can call it it felt like Not a person. It felt like circuitry burning and trying to scream out to something. It was so computer-oriented. It was so electronic-oriented. It felt like something of a different kind of mind than what I would normally, because that is-
1: I can't vocalize that, but I can feel the emotion in it. It definitely sounds a little inhuman, but I guess this is another place to invoke the uncanny valley, because it was the most human thing I'd heard yet, and probably one of the most human things, once again, that I will hear over the course of this entire album. It was clearly a voice. It was absolute. I mean, he- he certainly used either his own voice, or- or some session vocalist to just- to just pull- do that little bit, you know, just the gasp itself. I would be very surprised if this was created by a computer, but I believe this is his voice. He 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 felt the reason to invoke it here, and then it, it never really gets used again.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that something is important to say about this track as well, besides just the music itself, is where it puts us. Like we've said terror and horror and fear, but I think what really this track is doing is it's creating this kind of emotional void that you're filling like, like Steve had said you're imprinting your own kind of fear on it like I'm not picturing a video game or a movie that I've seen already I'm picturing something brand new unseen as before and what's really interesting is the the different sounds that John and Steve were both talking about as far as like the stutters and the clangs and the cries even like this weird like warble I call like a metallic bubbling almost it just it feels like you're moving through this kind of horror mindscape, but you're expected to imprint what terrifies you on it. Which is why I like the... About the two-minute
1: mark, I think Steve wrote down... What what was it? Two about minutes two, and ten seconds. Yeah. Two minutes, 13 seconds was about the, the point in which um, a melody right. starts to erupt out of this. And the way the
2: melody is contrasting, because the screams don't go away, the fear doesn't go away, it's warbled, it's distorted in and of itself, it's almost a a... I'm putting. I'm imprinting a lot of stuff on this track.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a mind trying to reason in this madness, in this fear. Well, it is true that by at least even further into it, by by three minutes, I feel like a lot of the terror has completely dissipated. I I had. Uh, an instinct to just call this a part b as far as this track is concerned part a was was completely terrifying i actually remember those those warbles that you were talking about matt because that was really the note that it sort of ends you off before each spell of silence um and it it sounds like the kind of thing like it's forget about the word satiation i mean this is the exact antithesis of that if you listen to this on headphones it it really will hurt your ears after a certain amount of time it sounds like it's the kind of thing that they purposely compress down, you know, in, in uh, actual pop production because they they realize that this is the stuff that will actually keep people away. You know, there's certain little rules in, in the compression community. What you have to do in order to keep people coming back because a certain level of compression is considered perfectly accessible by everyone. He's he's not about that right here. Um, but I do agree that by part B, all of that has completely Gone, Or you have that that element that maybe he's exploring the method within the madness here. Um, But there is a lot of beauty here and there. I mean, kind of the stuff that we got in the beginning. The texture still remains very sporadic. But within this, I I think we've boiled it down from terror to a more mellowed, less urgent uncertainty. Whatever that is. Well, it feels like uh, the
2: melody is starting to reign in the rhythm itself in a lot of ways. Because it becomes a little more MIDI oriented, slightly be- yeah, and it becomes more hardened, more compressed, more clipped in its presentation. The tones feel like they're getting shorter, whether or not they actually are. Mm. And it's forced that, and it's the forcing of these tones that starts to show a lot of the
1: building blocks being involved around the melody. Well, like, for I mean, even this is kind of limited. We get it for about two minutes straight, but then I would have what we call a part C, I guess, around five minutes, where we bring back a lot of the same stuff from the beginning, a lot stuttered elements. Um, that, that is really, like, the recurring motif throughout this entire track. The, the very same stuttered rhythm that you heard in the very beginning that was accompanied by Terror because it was interspersed with silence here is introduced um, as the theme, but simply without the silence but what I'm most fascinated by in this entire track is what I will just go ahead and call part D and it's the last op- official section I guess because it is probably the the most opposed and that occurs around six minutes four seconds and here you get consonants nearly nearly consonant it's it's resolute and profound cadences uh everything uh, the, the everything tonal about this is easy to comprehend uh, it, it, it's telling you, It's in major, and it's telling you you'll be safe. That's what the whole track is telling us, it says. Until the very last note, the the outro, it's not an outro, it's just a final uh, chord that they leave us on, which kind of sounds like an explosion because it has a lot of reverb behind it.
0: And it kind of warps a little bit as it rings. Yes. Which kind
1: of kind of reminds you that you're not quite as safe that as you think. Told me, yeah, you're not safe at all. You died. <laughs> you, were to- you were told, you were given fear throughout this entire time. You were slightly abated. It was ab- abated for a time being and then the fear was brought back and then you were told very callously you'll be safe before you died before it ate you whatever it is. Well, that's an interesting thing whatever it is cuz like
0: that's a question I found I kept asking myself is who is the character in the song? I mean with a song like Mutant, you think either the mutant is the character and it's this horrific whatever the mutant is, mm-hmm. that's the character or it you're the character being haunted or stalked by the mutant or the mutant could be a you know, a political party or a <laughs> corporation, or like it, it feels just ominous and amorphous enough that you can kind of, like you said earlier, imprint anything. But that left me at the end of the song just going well, what is this really about? I'm really
1: curious. Like, it definitely unnerved me, but why? I mean, I want to leave room for John's initial point in the beginning, which that it was personal. It yeah. was very much the, the mind and the mutant is him, and yeah. it's all of our worst fears combined, but maybe also, you know, something that is... We perceive it as mechanical because of the fact that it it, it is on the fringe of humanity. Sure, you know? but also and also our minds operate sometimes on a mechanical
0: level. Things that we created, yeah. manifested. Sometimes. Technically, our mind right. isn't actually a computer
2: and just way more advanced and biological in nature, and it is mechanical at its right. part of its being, but blah, 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 side note, we're getting back on track.
1: I I think that's the
2: point. My idea, and I agree with the first point you made, that this is a description of said mutant, that this is a individual. I mean, it's, it's a noun. It's one of the few nouns on the album itself. Mutant. It's not just vanity or alive or an idea. This is a much more concrete idea. The mutant is horrific. I mean, it's fearful. We're supposed to be afraid of this being, of this creature. That's why it's so abrupt and so alien in many ways. That's why it's so broken and jagged. The final minute and a half that goes on after around that six-minute mark, I almost look to that as he smiled. As we were given the lie to all the fear we were building up in this track all this all the scary thoughts we had about what we were hearing know that that smile we get at the end that nice long melody that yeah a little off pitch a little bit of a broken tooth grin but it's still very warm very endearing very bringing you there rocky and I, road yeah yeah actually yeah just like sloth but in this case i don't agree with that final ominous note being a final ominous note it feels more like a departure than anything else. It's not an explosion and rumble. It's more just a rumble. It's more an echo, like the jolly
1: green giant of our fears is really just walking away. All right. Well, I want to see the other areas in which this mutant manifests himself um, and the other sides of the mutant, I guess. If we're going off of that, I think it's just as good as any. It is, after all, the title of the album. Track three, we get Vanity. Um... It's interesting because I I kept trying to go back to this word, and it took me a while before I guess I had any theories about it, but let's first describe what's going on. You get a lot of strikes in the beginning, as if on some kind of screwed-up industrial dulcimer, or as Matt put it earlier, which I think maybe is a little bit more just straightforward, uh, pipes. (laughs) Well, yeah, it sounds like striking metal pipes. Big pipes. The the way the rhythm
0: sort of starts to take... Shape here reminds me of in a lot of Blue Man Group's more recent stuff. They use these kind of plastic hollow large pipes, to PVC, make a, PVC pipes, to make a very specific sound. And yep. this sounds like a more metallic, longer ringing version of that, which right. is what led me to that.
1: Because description. it has longer vibrations, a very long reverb, uh, a very long echo, and a but very almost, sharp attack, and and also kind of in a smaller space, or that it disperses evenly away from you very far. Yeah, so you'd have to have a long pipe. In in order for it to do that cuz then it has room to travel along the same material. Um rhythmically, it kind of feels like it's lagging too. Once you start introducing another little stutter step in here, a kind of thing that he he likes to go back to, it's it's lagging behind itself not because the tempo is changing. I don't believe it is. It's just because of the strange rate of decay interfering with where each pulse starts. So you get the sensation that it's lagging, but it's just because of all that d- decay. It 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 blends really poorly, but obviously it's by design. Well, the the
2: piece that's really at odds is those bright tones that step in. When they start going, they're 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 really just not adhering to anything that these pipes are doing. Uh-huh. They're just completely at odds and it's okay because rhythmically they are matching up
0: but the melodies are just they're just all over the place right here. Well, I think the dissonance that that's creating wraps into how like it was starting to make me feel. I got this sense from this track of both panic and calm at the same time. Almost I I framed it as, as a fairly anxious person myself, as an internalized anxiety attack. This idea that on the inside, you're panicked and frantic, but on the outside, on a subway train or in public, you will put out a faux calm to mask it. And I felt like, to me,
1: that that sound internalized that kind of manifestation for me. I agree 100%. And I, th- I, I That's when I started going back to the word vanity. Um, first of all, yeah, by, by 1 minute 45 seconds, this starts getting a lot catchier. Like, I, I could groove to this for mm-hmm. the first time in the album. You get more brassy synth. Um, there's that term again. We had that uh, just a couple weeks ago in Varmints, um, but in a slightly different way here, and it's dancing around. By 2 minutes 30 seconds, we have a full-blown club beat, but I don't want to suppress the idea, true, that this is very warped the entire time. I figure, like, if a group of people were actually at a club and dancing to this, I would think they were in a cult. So this is either like a one-man show, dance-wise, like an IDM expo, where you're just supposed to observe this one person dancing and be like, oh yes, that's curious. He's tormented, you know, clearly. But then the fact that this is called vanity has me wondering if maybe there are a lot of people here, but that this was an external, surrealist depiction of how one is expected to enjoy themselves in, say, a club, regardless of anything that's going on, which I, I find kind of ridiculous that, that, that we even had that expectation because there are a lot of club scenarios where could conceivably make you a lot more miserable, and vanity is one of those things. I I think that the brazen club-goer, ignoring the fact that he's losing himself as he dances into the night, I believe that he would be guilty of of having a lot of vanity. So there's a lot of reasons to think that this really uh, really is someone in public. This is specifically to your point. You're expected to put on a face, But at the same time, you probably are even guilty of putting on that face because you are not being true to yourself. And I think that the progression of this track reflects that, because he loses himself not all at once, but in spurts. He regresses only at times, such as in uh, 3 minutes 12 seconds, where we muffle the track to almost nothing. Me and John love this part. Oh, and yeah. then suddenly we burst, burst. right Oof. back out into and the it's light.
2: Only a burst. It, the only way you can really explain it is just shattering glass. Every, every We
1: finally break into the enclosed space of energy but it does kind of return to like the previous point it's just that that seems like such a distant memory now because we had been getting so muffled as if the track was was yeah, finally dying down to nothing and we finally f- and then was
2: finding our center
1: and then and all then of a sudden we yes. erupt and we're back where we were before and it's kind of in the club vein so I was thinking that here perhaps he starts to lose himself but then he tries to regain his composure forgetting that he'll never maintain it because obviously then at the tail end of the track it dissipates completely. We muffle it again and it's as if the track just drowns and caves in on itself here. There is no return. And then there's another aspect you didn't talk about quite yet. The more percussive lines. And there was a couple different
2: lines coming in and out, especially in the the second two-thirds of the track. Mm. There was the long one, there was the short one, and they kept playing off of one another. The long percussion line was very dull and drudgy. It was just one beat that was coming... I think at the tail end of every measure, it was just coming in and elongating and coming in and elongating. And then the other rhythmic line, the other percussion line was a lot faster paced. And it was really at odds totally with, with the first. I mean, these two going back and forth really did a nice contrast of the drudgery
1: versus the action and i liked what was setting up there well it's interesting it gave... because i didn't notice that so much so which means the track really did a number on me and forced me to actually see the catchy side above all else despite that obviously there's a lot of foreshadowing Yeah, such there was as one
2: that one that, that extra kick. long bit that was in there was a nice lie to all the energy <laughs> that was going on i just
1: loved so vanity and... is a beautiful lie that yes, that's, that's, that's there the you uh, <laughs> that's the poem to accompany this track if if it needs it uh, any more words before we go to track four, Sinner? No. All right, track four, Sinner. Uh, this, this is a weird soundbite that we open with. Um, oh, I love going back to this little comparison point, because I have to every single time, and guess what? This is this is the closest that I've ever heard to this particular soundbite. Star Trek for The Voyage Home. There are whales in space, or at least there's a probe that is trying to seek out whales because... Uh, The probe picked it up probably eons ago, back when there were, you know, whales everywhere on planet Earth, and the story in Star Trek, it's in the 23rd century, and we uh, destroyed all the whales. Or maybe they just naturally went extinct. But specifically humpback whales. And so the probe is transmitting the sound of these whales to the Earth, and they're expecting a reply. And, well, uh... That's kind of awkward, because they're all dead, so we don't have a reply to give you. So, Captain Kirk and Spock and all of them, they have to swing around the sun, because it's apparently that easy to time travel in that movie, despite that the rest of the Star Trek canon really would argue against that. And then they land back in 1985, where they go retrieve two humpback whales from the San Diego uh, equivalent of SeaWorld, and they bring them back to the future to send back to the pro. And it was really happy, and it didn't destroy the world. So, um, there's that but specifically the sound bite at hand is not the sound of the whales in the ocean but the sound of the whales when played through a filter when they're out of the ocean and it sounds exactly like this opening soundbite. except of course when the whales are doing it it's far more drawn and here it's a little bit quicker and a lot more rhythmic but it is an eerie eerie alien sound which is why they Take a while to realize that is whales at all in the movie well think of it this way i i heard it as breathing
2: but not the sort of breathing where you're hearing with your ears this is more internalized this is this is if you can't hear you just feel the vibrations in your head of yourself breathing heavy and breathing long, mm-hmm. exasperated. you're out of breath. you're you're
1: running on a dress. It's definitely biological, yeah, but it's like it's hard to say at first whether that's something known biological or alienesque, and then you start getting high attacks on top of this breathing,
0: and that changed it for me. Like I didn't really at any point hear that kind of breathing sound for me the way the sound the how the high attack struck it felt like someone being struck this idea of a fist or just something solid impacting something else it had this kind of thunderous kind of sound because it would impact on the high attack and then there would be a reverberation after it which is what steve is describing as what sounded kind of whale sound like but for me
1: it definitely sounded like something crashing into something else and then the vibration it makes afterwards yeah and to your credit obviously it is the the fast Nature of this, the the, the rhythmic construction, it makes it kind of takes away the biological element. Right. Um, makes it sound more forced.
0: Um, also, like it, as the sound starts to speed up and mix with other stuff, it sounds almost metallic. And Steve actually gave me this idea that it, it, it sounded, sounded the almost... The whale
1: sounded metallic in the movie, too. <laughs> right,
0: but it, it lent to sounding more like someone being struck with a chain, like a thick chain,
1: because it would have that impact, but then it would also kind of trail yeah, off. Yeah, and that's where we go back to the title, because after all, the track is called Sinner. And uh, when you start perceiving the violence in that way, it made me feel as if the guy is getting tortured or something. Um, but, it's like but, It's designed but, but, but. to reflect the torture that perhaps he's inflicted on others because he's a sinner. Not a nice guy. You're missing one big part, and that is the piano. The very clear piano. It comes later. It comes comes later. later.
2: And when that shows up, I think I completely flipped on this idea. Well, it made me perceive it in terms of atonement at that point. Yeah. I mean, but also the piano is very... Idea. Hang on. I formed it. I want to put it out. It's my baby. Put it out. So, this baby. Put it out there. I already was getting internalized breathing out of this. When the high attack comes in... In retrospect, it feels like an adrenaline burst coming through your system. The piano is the sweetness of the sin. And I feel like this is the contrast between the two. The, the, the fear and the regret showing up versus how good it actually feels. And mm. a sinner, someone doing evil, is not necessarily going to consider themselves a sinner. So if we go like with Mutant as an internalized look, this is somebody
1: knowing they're doing wrong but still gaining some gratification out of it. Well, that depends only because at 3 minutes 15, we do get the heart rate, the the heart beating sound and it sounds like it's racing. Um it's 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 a very strange depiction of it, but it, it probably the heartbeat is the the closest thing I could I could pin on it. I mean, it did. The way it kind of rapidly kind of thumped, it did feel bio- biological again. And right. But th- but my point here is that it still exists next to the piano. Yeah. In other words, if the piano is still prevalent here, I uh, mean, if we're going off what John's saying, is that the fact that the sin, the, the beautiful sin, as it were, is still with him. I, I that That's the taste of it. I piano. still think it, it, it represents something, the light at the end of the tunnel, like the, I mean, the atonement po- to follow. I mean, Possibly. I mean, I, I think also the framework of most of the track, this
0: one is on the shorter side at least comparatively to the behemoth at the top of the album, it, it, it felt like it was conveying a location. Like, we're talking about sinners and punishment, you get this idea of hell or we'll uh, anonymously label it underworld because hell is very specific you know this kind of fire and brimstone that's definitely present because when the piano comes in like john mentioned earlier there is a heavy beat that comes in right after it that's staggered and not repetitive once that beat picks up is when it sounds like the heartbeat and so i think it's this kind of barreling towards you know something terrible but then
1: getting through and on the other side there is that kind of atonement feeling well it is barreling towards something terrible though because that's our transition that's our cue right into the next track here uh track five anger there's no reason to stop here because it's it's it goes right into it. That that heartbeat develops into a scream. Yeah, it and literally it's, it's, connects to what sounds like a gentleman screaming. And that's right and at the beginning of, of anger. Yeah. So it makes me think that what we were developing there at the end of the track, you know, if 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 it is atonement as I see it, if the piano is atonement, then this was what he got. I mean Right. Well, well, I mean,
0: it could also be this idea of atonement, but then falling back on what you were atoning for. This like, kind of
1: relapse. Screamed as a final act of atoning in the hell that he just graduated from. I know that's not how hell works. Can but I, Can I use it on my It was my something comment? positive, and this goes into something positive, this track. I following.
2: Would, mm, I would say, yeah, in a way. from my internalized view of what this album is trying to represent, because, well, this is a hard album so far, it's if the sin was still sweet enough to pursue it at the end, this anger that comes out at the very beginning of anger, this scream is the self-recrimination. It wasn't atonement at the end of the tunnel. It was him still pursuing that sin and culminating in that sin. And this is the retrospect realization of, I screwed up, I messed up, and now I'm angry. It's self-hatred going on right here. And what it turns into, this very long single
1: note rhythm it feels like there was that burst, and then The Simmer. Oh, uh, that's fair. I mean, I even just kind of to, to preview the, the track titles that we're about to get, we go from Sinner, to Anger, to Sever, to Beacon. Now this kind of progression does, uh, to me, it still symbolizes atonement, but it sounds like we're just going, uh, we're arriving at the same place, but in two different ways. Yeah. Me and you. So, all right, that's, I guess, I p- p- part for the course of Crash chords. <laughs> something to consider about
0: this track, though, is also like what Steve was saying, even though it seems to be lending towards possibly atonement or possibly something brighter, there's still a fair amount of disjointedness to this, and, you know, the way the beat and the melody are are kind of mingling, especially on the heavy attacks of the rhythm in this track. It does seem to be a little bit at odds. Well, we got three different attacks going on. We got strings. We got very techno, techno style.
1: And then we have percussive style. All this... Rhythmic it's aggression like pulses, built on one another. Pulses with, with no air in them. And that is still very uncomfortable following the scream. But then following that, I, I think this is where I, I previewed something positive. Because it seemed like we were going into sort of a screwed up samba. After that, it was something that felt <laughs> very, just, it felt very Spanish. I mean, the guy's Venezuelan, and so maybe this is somewhere in his, you know, in his culture. Uh, I don't know if I could say it's a Samba specifically, because also here, it's very broken. Yeah. It's very broken and, and stripped down, pulled apart, but it, it's also a fairly short track. This whole thing, uh, Anger, is only two minutes, one second Uh, And amidst these various reprises of Samba inserts, which are just riddled with distortion to the point where it feels like he just gutted an actual recording, a separate recording of a Samba, then, you know, you can kind of digest this positively if you just view it through that one light. But you have to consider where we just came from. So it still, to me, is a move in a positive direction, relatively speaking. But there's still, in the backdrop, that heavy attack going on, there's still there's
2: still, as much as that melody is building out, it's still got a backdrop of that energy, of that burst, because it's so muffled. And it's very hard to hear if you're just focusing on one aspect. It's another one of those, I'm loving the way he's playing around with volumes. And that's something that I think I gotta bring up here because it happens a lot later on in the album. But volume is very important and the location of those instrumentation. We talked about earlier going from uh, both
1: ears to left ear like you're you're hearing it change location i mean maybe it's back to the concept of of vanity of mm-hmm. the track of vanity but here not in terms of self-denial which that was clearly uh, uh steeped in but here more in terms of well you're angry about your environment and i don't think any any uh light-hearted samba is going to change your mind you're going to be breaking stuff in the midst. Well, because the muffling
0: here feels more forced, as if it's trying to suppress something. whether Putting it's, a cap on it. Right, trying yeah. to suppress the anger or trying to suppress a confusion or just, you know... A dissonance, but there's definitely there's more force behind this mu- muffle. Like it's being forced
1: down, and Maybe I think he hates being called a sinner.
0: I mean, yeah, it, it, any of these things are possible, and I think that's where the anger kind of comes to a, a head in the track. Is during that muffle, it's like you're raging against yourself or or the world or both. Which is so great because it is so
2: muffled. It is so background. It is it's the sort of anger that is really lizard brain, really something you don't notice until it rears its head. But the fact that, re- yeah, you're right, it gets more emotional the less it's there. I'm loving it. And I, I especially like the way it sort of just pulses out and dissipates towards the end of the track and kind of just changes the way it integrates with everything else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's yeah, you, you force down that anger and it gives you an ulcer. But in this case, it feels more like he actually did contain it and control
0: it and and make it a part of himself. See, I would argue, though, that he doesn't contain it and control it. He forces it down and then rips it out of himself. I mean, when we go to the next track, track six, sever, it feels like... I was leading up to that. (laughs) It feels like he's trying to sever himself from the anger. And, I mean, you really get a sense of that from the way the track starts because you get these kind of front attack, almost warped-sounding harpsichord notes that feel completely separate from what we were just listening to, which is like he's ripping this out and he's in a different emotional state. And I love the fact that it's, it's, it's not just these notes. It's
2: like the first one is just a statement. It's a period. Period at the beginning of a sentence. It's
1: just Ding, and reverbs out. And that's all it does. It's just one strike it, right it, at the beginning. It, it pulses, but it does start pulsing repetitively, like like just about everything on this album. It, it stutters at first, Um, like, also like everything on this album. But, yeah, the fact that it's harpsichord, I mean, just that in itself, I think, gives this a more, I would say, a more lighthearted air. But it is called sever, so you'd think there'd be some, uh, that would imply that there's something satisfying about severing whatever whatever is dragging you down. I mean what's interesting about this track though because this is also a track that's on the shorter
0: side is that those strikes and the way the harpsichord plays out stays pretty much to itself. It does nothing is really built on top of it. Well, now, not until we get to
1: about halfway through the track. That's <laughs> why I say pulses repetitively, yeah. and that's very little you could say for it apart from it simply being oh harpsichord, different texture, love it. Uh, well, it, no, it, no, no, no. It does seem to
2: just meander around the idea of a melody, and at the same time that it's meandering and trying
1: to figure out where it's going. You get a, a background noise that starts to resolve into it a rhythm. It sounds like the first two or three notes of a melody, but it never quite yeah. quite turns over. It's, it's Between that and between the rhythm record. that kind of emerges out of
2: this track, because it's very light and very background, when we do hit the halfway mark, it's weird because I thought this was really simple. And it was surprising in its simplicity, but it was v- surprising because... I didn't feel it was more or less approachable because it was simple. I just like well, it. Well, it's was... glitched. There's not that much simple about glitch. But it wasn't the the massive five or six different layers that a lot of this other stuff builds to. It was it was two main thoughts. A very
1: subtle thought and a very in your face thought. No, and then of course we, we, we just briefly cut out that opening pulse and then we we return to it a little bit later. I mean, I kind of liked it when the rhythm was just failing here. I didn't like it so much when it just kind of kept going. But it seems like a mantra, like a mantra, something you're trying to to tell yourself over and over and over again.
0: Well, yeah, because I think once the rhythm comes in and blends or sort of blends with the harpsichord sound, it. It kind of almost further warps the entire tone of the track, but still blending in this kind of bizarre way. It felt like they fit together, but also because they did, they didn't. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I liked the way they worked together once they kind of started to blend.
2: Well, I, <laughs> one of you say something along the lines of this was a little bit happier, if I'm not mistaken. Or I, I only said that because
0: of the sound
1: itself. Of yeah. House, of course. The, I like the
2: the the latter half rhythm work does a lot to just show the the taint on whatever happiness the harpsichord might have contained. It did show that the fact that it well no no this is not
1: this is you're you're not going into sunshine land. I think we're still
2: cutting off a part.
1: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail in the head with simply it's a statement. This whole track is just a mm-hmm. statement, and I think it can probably end at the word sever. Um, and maybe the harpsichord is just meant to symbolize the, the, the reflection on said severing. Let's go to track 7, Beacon, which functions more as an interlude. This is only about 49 seconds, and I think it, it's kind of just continuing continuing in the same field of reflection, but obviously this time, with the the title helps us a lot here, Beacon. Something, maybe, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And what all you get really here is just these shloops and, and fizzles, It felt like this is the first track that really had some kind of harsh
0: texture. It felt fuzzy almost because those those swoops kind of just gave... I don't know what felt fuzzy about it. Maybe fuzzy in the same way, you know... um, Distortion on a TV when you get like what's called snow on a TV feels yes. looks fuzzy even though it's not. Everyone called it snow. That that, that idea, I think, <laughs> no but one gets was,
1: snow anymore. That's that's I know because well, you have no antennas and that see, never appears on those kids Buzzfeed
0: See kids. Man, man. See kids when we were younger, we didn't have cable boxes or the internet. We, we had didn't plug our TVs into the television stations. We had to use magic
2: within the form of wires and coat hangers and things <laughs> like that to grab the TV out of the
1: air. That's mm-hmm. Right, it was more magical back then. Yeah. It was more magical back Less then. Less scientific. So anyway, the idea, well, of especially when you were up on one foot, <laughs> <laughs> and when you're yelling down through, it's three different family members from the attic down to the uh, trying the to get room. the signal. Yeah, Be like, Hold a little it there, to the left can see the game. Back where man. it was, we lost channel two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, but in all seriousness, that idea of what TVs used to have that we considered snow, this kind of fuzziness, it had a texture even though you literally couldn't feel it. I got the same sense from this little interlude. It, kinda it felt, f- felt kind of cottony or fuzzy to my ears the I way heard, the dissonance kind of played with it. I heard, and it did feel beacony, I guess, but it, I heard... Not to be confused with bacon-y.
2: It felt like rain upon the windshield, and wherever okay, sure. it would hit, thing. it felt like the wiper wiping it. That's that's what I really heard. I mean, yeah, sure. That... The other tones that were coming in were, it was the light at the end of the tunnel more rapidly spinning, I guess, because it was a very Doppler effect going on right here. Well, it was very much a come in, come out, and the sharp point in the center of these, these sound bites
0: was very... Very bright, very high for everything else that was going on. Well, I would always refer to, when on long drives, uh, rain, light rain on a windshield with a windshield wiper is like the static of life. And, like, that's... So not snow, rain. Rain, or, I mean, both. I mean, static, you know, the snow was the static of TV life. I'm uh,
1: I'm sticking with sloops and fizzles. You sure. can hand me my check at any point, Matt. Sure. All right. But um. for
2: 48 seconds, it was a nice little. It let your
0: brain relax for a minute. Yeah,
2: and I needed that. Yeah. I really
1: needed that, and it was so necessary here because of what comes next. It is really true that this kind of remark, uh, this kind of marks a turning point in this album. Mm-hmm. Track eight snakes. Was probably my favorite track um, mm. for a few reasons. Vanity was great, but snakes... Vanity. Well, uh, let me let me try to get to the bottom of this. This all right. First, it starts with somewhat of a gurgling. It's kind of a wub wub sound that just fades into the distance. But it's contrasted by just one other sound, and it's kind of like a pan flute. It's a synth pan flute, but it's, it still sounds fluty nonetheless. It sounds very natural. That's that's the key very difference natural, with a lot of other stuff that's na- happening. As natural as you get here on this mm-hmm. album. Nevertheless, they sound extremely dissonant. Um, it's, it's lighthearted only by the fact that it's in such a high register, but at the same time, it feels reserved, like the... Wub Wub is driving it forward, but then later it seems like the pan flutes might drag the Wub Wub forward. And this was my favorite track in the album because of how it progresses. Progression is such a general term. All tracks progress in as much as they get further in time from where they began. Um, But this track commands attention, and it gets consistently busier, and I love the fact that it was started with just those two elements. Those basic uh, instruments, they're just so contrast in the beginning, and so uncommunicable. And then later, they harmonize and create pure beauty. It might even be, dare I say, joy on this record, I don't know, that's kind of a dangerous word for mutant, because also snakes, the word snakes kind of keeps me from saying so. But the chord progression here, the the overlaps become glorious, and I just, i this brought me back in some sense to the album Prefuse 73 of uh, excuse me the album Rivington Now Rio by Prefuse 73 in episode 147 that we did which we don't reference that much because it also had very very few moments of joy within an album that was otherwise really really ambiguous <clears throat> so it brought me back to that that album in a sense because up until track 8 here I would say there's nothing there's nothing holistically enjoyable about this album if you're just saying enjoyment you know at face value like yes that is pleasing to the ear up until track eight this is an intellectual experiment and i think this is still an intellectual experiment track eight but it introduces so much joy by the time you get uh, further in again great composition here and then i think it was steve's favorite
2: part but i know it was mine then the beat gets dropped and it is such an explosion of brightness. Oh, I was
1: I was describing that whole section right now. I kind of no just no no. no. Summated it was the specifically the dropping of that beat. Oh well, yeah.
2: It was like a a crystal. That yeah. that's the only way I can explain it. That instance mm-hmm.
1: was was where emotion exploded out of this track. There was, and there was that instance, there were so many more, and I honestly, I'm I'm not even gonna bother with timestamps right here because there were so many instances in which the chords just matched up so beautifully that it was it was unlike anything we'd heard to this point. Well, because also the way this track kind of grows and blossoms is very different from the quote-unquote evolutions
0: or mutations of previous tracks on the record. Yeah. it it kind of like like John said in the beginning it felt more natural but
1: not just in the sounds itself but it's progression. Like Like, I said, usually you get two or more sounds that are opposed and they're fighting with each other uh, throughout the duration. That's been this album. Here, the two two sounds are coming together. They start out so opposed and they work together. They create something beautiful. You can kind of even groove along to it. It's the first time
0: I found myself Mm -hmm. kind of like nodding my head, whereas previously you're just kind of listening thoughtfully,
1: not necessarily getting lost in it. Here I'm getting lost in it not because of thought but because of more raw emotion. And they're not dropping the dissonance. The dissonance is always there but it's the dissonance of of joy like I said if I were to you know cite timestamp after timestamp like what John just said those moments in which it erupts in in pure joy I say that only in context because the chord itself is probably very dense a lot of little tonal clusters in there but Mm -hmm. that's that's the stuff that I really like it's the stuff that I've I've liked in in music as it's existed probably for the past hundred years and then the way it 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 culminates as the track
2: goes along because this does start off as as tentative, uncertain, right? But very innocent. Uh, eventually, it turns coy. It turns like you can see the devilish grin of this track showing through. Well, oh. it comes from but like there the way- is there is an element that shows up, and that is the very ominous piano slams. And for all of what they were trying to do uh, uh, in the outro of this track. I couldn't even let them get to me. I was so happy after whatever else was going on there. I was so happy for what Snakes was doing that even foreshadowing of sadness did not
1: affect me. Well, we'll he, be, you know, he wouldn't be true to this album if he didn't end it all. Well, yeah, that no, kind of there, there has to be some reality.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I think it makes for a good transition piece when we go to track nine, Else, which... I mean, just thinking the word on its own. When you talk about someone else or else, like it's a very distancing kind of word. Else, other, other, like me, not you. Well, that reminds me of
1: the the book The Giver, in which the 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 distant uh, everything that was not the really really sheltered town where they were denied emotions and everything, and everything's black and white. They don't even have color. They, they called everything else was just called elsewhere. Yeah, elsewhere. And, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's kind <laughs> of a similar conveyance. There's also
0: or else or. It, It's almost threatening on this album. Right, but that said, the way the track starts and kind of builds this kind of space, it feels kind of submerged. Like, this is the first track where I felt I got a very strong setting, and me and Steve kind of synced up on this, and John followed along after It feels like you're kind of underground, but not necessarily just in a dark, dank place. You're in kind of like an ice cave. This idea of something bright and beautiful, but still kind of a little intimidating. And the fact that you're underground, you're in ice. But it conveys this kind of brightness that we had just not experienced environmentally yet. It's like
1: a blue crystalline structure.
0: Yeah. And it's accomplished by doing something very,
2: very simple. Start off with low-end piano drops. Just... Just drops that
1: circle an
2: idea, that circle the melody.
1: I'm going to be and even more it, specific. It's like a middle high register piano, which is, in fact, the lowest element. It's not really all that low. The highest piano is is what I hear as a synth, but it could, in fact, just be the uppermost register of the piano, like super high end. And the
2: back and forth between these two, because the first time the higher register piano comes in, it explodes. It's just a... a, a a yeah, that, shattering moment in the, the, the That's track. just the
1: first instance. That's but then, just the
2: first, and then it stays, and then it finds its melody. And it but finds this its melody, it's very delicate
1: from there on. The low end is always overshadowing what's going on, because it never leaves. Oh, it's, I disagree with that. I think the the high end was a little bit, just because it's, it's higher, and it also seemed like it was, the low end was clearly a piano, and it was clearly like middle-high register, but the high end was, uh, it stood out as having some filter to it, which is why I say it could be a synth, not entirely sure. Well, that... I'm saying this contrast between the two. The low end still
2: is just overshadowing what the high end's doing because it was there yeah. first. It's there persistent. It never deviates from its path. It's always going to go along. That, for me, adds a lot of that that cold. Adds yeah. a lot of that hardness to this track. Adds a lot of the, the crystalline structure that's going on right here. For as much as the brightness has the edges and the glass kind of a feel to it is the fact that it's really at its core at its very very simple level unchanging that that keeps it as that immovable object as that that very cave that regardless of how you regard it regardless of how you interact with it it was there long before you showed up and it's going to be there long after you leave it does not care for you it does not care the little blip of existence it's
1: something that's, that does expand time Okay, I, I see your point now. Um, I I think that in terms of the way you you pitch that is like, uh, what what is your attention on? I still think your attention is really on the it high end stuff. It is on the beauty. But if you want to make an argument that that the the low end, which is really just the middle high end piano, if that is if that is the aesthetic, if that defines this cold damp. Crystalline Cave. I, I I absolutely agree. You have a few other things that make an appearance throughout this track, and in, in a, around a minute 57 seconds, you get these harpsichord rolls, which yeah. obviously goes straight back to Sever. That's the last time we heard the harpsichord, and here it... The harpsichord in itself is not a strange thing, especially considering we heard it already a couple tracks ago, but it, it's how flat and clean it sounds next to the other thing, those two piano sounds, which are so bright and airy. The harpsichord grounds us just a little bit more, I think. It's adding some some depth and some weight to this environment, but I'm absolutely with with Matt 100% in terms of where we are. It feels very icy, very cold, and we had this very interesting off-air discussion over how... how cold does it make you feel it's not quite in the sense that i feel very cold and and uh and distant from it in fact i feel very warm and connected to it because of that eternal quality that john just described obviously you imagine this thing that might have been formed like an a glacier clearly long before you arrived and long after you'll be gone it's it's sublime i i little minor little uh digression i was in a cabin the weekend right before we recorded this uh this episode a cabin way upstate obviously you know you go there and you just you're in the middle of nature and you get a little bit closer to to all of it you sit by a stream and it can be very relaxing you can still have that slight little thing in the distance that says well you're pretty insignificant at in all the cabin was actually literally located in a valley between two imposing mountains that That's the definition of insignificant. They were they would probably crush you if it was in a in an expanse of time under which you were actually feeling the plates move. You'd just be grinded in in the middle of it. No one even would even recognize you. You wouldn't even be a fossil. So it I feel all of that, which sounds terrifying, but in the same you know, by the same token, that's getting a little bit closer to to the meaning of it all, as, as tacky as that sounds. You know, a nebula is sublime. A mountain is sublime. It doesn't matter how grand or imposing or how distant it can seem. You want to understand it. They you know, always say that that's our purpose here, is basically to figure ourselves out, the universe made sentient.
0: Right. Well, and I think that specifically, this, this cave setting that we're creating does have that kind of awe-inspiring size and depth. And I think that's where that kind of connects to it. Um, I think that this is something that we'll see a little more of too because I'm getting a stronger sense of setting based on I don't know interpretation. What I'm connecting to it, I might just be being a little um, conceited in assuming what he
1: means. But I mean, it seems pretty apparent here for track nine. Well, I'm. Oh, I never said it was apparent. I'm definitely. I'm definitely superimposing my own. Uh, my own feeling, my own interpretations. of this, and it's purely based on the music, because that's what that's what I do here most. As I. I I try to interpret the music, lyrics, in fact, titles notwithstanding, they're really second to me. Right. I appreciate the fact that very, that for the most part here, it generally lines up, um, but there is something very, very abstract about the word else. I mean, we know what it means, we just described what it means, but in terms of... of is it else Every, everything else that's out there everything else that you know is bigger than you I, I don't know that that's i'm not saying that's the only answer here i'm saying it's as good as it's as good as any because i know what i feel first and foremost and it is certainly that feeling of of insignificance and coldness in the sense that it does not care about you precisely what john said before and you should feel happy for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you get a sense of insignificance a little bit in the next track as well. Track 10, umbilical, which, you know, an umbilical cord. The thing that gives a baby life when it's inside or, or your... Or merely when you get down to the basics of it, it's a life connection. I mean,
2: they call the cord that connects an astronaut to the space station an umbilical, umbilical cord. It's, yeah. it's a connection
0: that, that holds you on for dear life. And so... This track, I have a theory about what it actually means, and I'll probably get into that at the end. I want to talk about what it actually has first. And it starts
1: with a blaring, almost disturbing, high attack tone. It's it's pings. Sounds certain pings. Sometimes he has fun messing around with the decay of these pings, as he's done a little bit earlier. For instance, uh, there's two pings. One ping kind of seems to linger forever. And then another one is just as soon as it's there, a high attack certainly, but almost zero decay. It's snuffed out completely. And I find it funny that he actually goes back and forth on that. They they occur somewhat intermittently and go back and forth between the two. And then one is like, oh, it's there. I'm in I'm in a, a reverb thick environment. And then all of a sudden, it's it, there's there's no air at all. I I really love this just as an idea, as a musical uh, electronica idea, because of the fact that we're always describing just one or the other, and it. Gets to the point where it's like, all right, but is there anything particularly inventive about that? Great, we're in a reverb-heavy environment. Great, we're in you know, there's there's no air there. It's it's he's just playing around with specific tones. He is actually playing them off each other in, in almost like a cruel way. It messes with your head a little bit, and I love that. It and just seems a little bizarre, the, the way that he's mixing everything and, and kind of bouncing things off well, each other. Showing, and there's, 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 and a, there's an art to it. Like, it's not arbitrary, because he establishes the loop first, and it always seems bizarre in the first instance. And then you're like, oh, that's that's his gag. Actually, but, one of the scariest parts is when the two of them
0: simultaneously, because then you have no idea which way to take it. Yeah. But this also has a bizarre vocalization in this. There's clearly a woman saying something here. I can't really pick out what. That the, interjection, though, yeah, comes after the, the yeah, it's something along those lines. It sounds like gibberish, but I doubt it even is. I'm sure it's something.
1: But, and but,
0: after that moment, we get pure conflict. The rest of the track is 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 a series of interjections. It really is one of the best embodiments of the word cacophony, which we've used quite a lot on this, on this podcast. I feel like this really does feel cacophonous because it doesn't feel
1: structured at all. It feels very random. There, there is even one if it's one thing that sticks out uh like a sore thumb and it's a siren. Yeah. The siren and it's just over and over and over again. It kind of like an eh 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 I mean it's this is full blown alert. You are uh, you should be standing up like a gopher at this point in the track. Um, I don't know how you're supposed to take that next to those vocalizations, but I do know that this does... It's not merely cacophonous because actually there's some consonants here in the fact sure. that you get these kind of tribal drums, like a clearly African-inspired beat that start developing. They no sooner start and start to get catchy before they're just dragged back down to earth and the siren takes over and then they, they don't let the song get catchy. Never. Yeah. Never. Never. It's, I get to say song this time because we do have vocals, well, <laughs> sure. no matter how bizarre they are. I mean, it it's
0: definitely designed in a way to make you kind of feel disoriented or even confused. It's not supposed to make sense. This song, I feel like, is not to, supposed to make sense, and there's a reason for that. It's because I really think that the reason this track is called umbilical is it's supposed to mimic childbirth, and not childbirth from the perspective of the doctor or the parent, but from the child being born. This idea that... All of us sitting here, and everyone in the world who's listening, if you're over the age of two, you have conscious memory, but not of anything before that. It's said that typically you can't really actually personally remember anything before the age of two. So the idea of being born is impossible to remember in the human brain. But if you could, if you
1: could remember what it was like to be born, it would feel and sound like this. And if you do remember anything before the age of two, you're a freak of nature and please donate yourself to science. (laughs) Well, actually, no, it's a lot of individuals with, especially those with eidetic memories, I was going to correct you on this,
2: do remember being born they, they think they remember being born no it's actually a proven thing those, I want to see this Nova <laughs> no no the, um, it's those with iedetic memories and actually a lot of uh, the autistic spectrum do remember okay. being born but, but,
0: but then that said this could be a literal uh, uh, sound translation of I don't that. even think it's the baby though and my here's my argument the beginning feels
2: like the two separate heartbeat monitors not the two separate heartbeats but because of the kind of the kind of metallic nature of it it feels like the heartbeat monitors i feel like it's almost the computer observing childbirth and trying to make sense of it because of the way it's full of conflict eh, hear me out and i want to do this because this is this is this is even more beautiful to me it is an alien thought full of conflict full of everything trying to make something that is really beautiful and keeps getting it wrong because these are really harsh tones and at times it feels like the conflict of
1: these attacks are just there to be there i and mean i no want i want to leave room for the the alien andor machine element throughout this album because that's certainly where my brain goes when things get very very abnormal but in this particular case we do have a lot of things uh, sort of happening at once and none of them are the child in question, which makes me think well, that must be at the center of them all. because if you do, if you work the puzzle then you yeah. add up everything that is surrounding this one central figure so, I still think it's from that perspective. Now, you don't know exactly who that is. Obviously, we also have a track, an album called Mutant here. So, you know, it could also be a, a freak of nature. <laughs> the said freak of nature, who should definitely donate themselves to science. But, the, this, but, um, but, the, but, but I
0: think Steve makes an interesting point. I think if you heard babies crying or the equivalent of a soundbite of a baby crying, yeah. then your like, theory might
1: make more sense. Like the dual pings, for instance. The right. pings, uh, wh- I, even when we were trying to figure out what that was, there was a pretty easy answer staring us in the face. And one of you said it, and it was the the line to ch- monitor the child's heartbeat or uh, life signs, and also the mother's life signs. And you have both of them go at once. Then when the siren happens, it does imply that things are actually you know getting a little bit hairy here. Like it could be a complicated childbirth, um, and also the sounds in the background, uh, namely the doctors. Um, I don't know. I, I it it all fits together, but it is absolutely an abstract depiction of it. it. But when has this album? Uh, been anything but abstract. No, for sure. I mean, we could no, argue no, no. back that No, we and got forth.
2: the clear-cut geode, internalized geode beautifulness. So I, there was that
0: was uh, that was, totally uh, that was told
1: through an abstract lens. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but w- what what I think also kind of polarizes or further confuses possibly this track is the follow-up track, track 11, him because this doesn't really give much context. So, before John says his bit, it starts,
1: I called it drone tastic because it's literally straight lines of sound that come in here. It's a nearly continuous drone, uh, except that certain elements of the drone stay. Some of them go. Uh, some of them are replaced. It does shift the But move. it is a full chord, and I don't believe it ever changes that chord, except, like I said, um, stripping away certain elements of them and then putting them back again. Alright, John, I think I know where you're going with this, and you might as well say it this it's called a hymn as it's in h y-m n if we postulate my previous idea of the computer observing birth
2: and trying to make sense of it this may be the next step of it trying to make sense of something else it may it, it's trying to be religious it's trying to replicate the idea of reaching out higher because at its core it's It's doing a lot of what organs do of what a choir does during hymns in church it's elongating beautiful notes except here it's more of a perversion it doesn't quite seem to understand how these notes are normally crystal clear and reaching and bright and shining here it's just the reverb off the reverb of the door it's 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 only that it it can't quite mesh into just a clear reaching for
1: god that's going on that's a fair point, and I, I've 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 considered it uh, ever since you told us it in advance. And I, I look, I think it's fair game at this point yeah. because this whole album is fair game. I mean, I I said earlier when we were discussing else, and I went into that whole rant about the in the coldness and the dampness of the cave and compared yeah. it to the cosmos and the sublime and all that stuff. Um, because it's, I heard a recent interpretation of sublime by one of my fellow cabin mates. It was interesting, <laughs> and and I take instrumentals in certain directions that can occasionally completely bypass the title because of the fact that instrumentals really speak to me. Music has power, and if you feel something, you know, in a certain way, I think that absolutely is relevant. That's the kind of things that will inspire you, regardless of whether or not it was necessarily intended by the artist. Um, but in his case here, a lot of- sometimes he- He does something so abstract that it's against the title, but a lot of times it matches up perfectly. Like, umbilical just seemed to fall in place for all of us. And so, when you title a track called Hymn, I guess, you know, that is the only connotation we have for what a hymn is. And yes, it is true. John's right. It is what is a hymn, but, you know, a four-part harmony, perhaps. it's just a perversion of it. What you have is elements that occasionally leave and occasionally come back. And generally, no, you don't have the vocals really ceasing. Occasionally you do have solid breath marks, but you should always, if you are writing just a a, a four-part harmony from the ground up, like composition students initially do in their studies, then you end up trying your best to let everything flow naturally and don't have any lines of music that will just go off the beaten track or stray it's it's music 101 and it's good that we all have that experience this is a perversion of that because this is one chord and when they stay and go they just stay in the same place or uh they then they go and then they reappear in the same place it's it's weird and it's a little it's a little annoying. It's tough to listen to. It's, yeah. definitely... it's only one minute and fifty seconds, though. It's not that big a deal. There is a and moment the... in at one thirty eight where the drone completely cuts. This is the tail end, and then it's 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 scream. It's sort of it's 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 wake lingers yeah. in in the echo, and that was just the way he chose to end it. It just fades out, which kind of gives this kind yeah. of
0: again a lot of these endings allude to a possible darker scenario, but there's no
1: real yeah. nothing's concrete at this juncture. It's all kind of uh, figuring it out as we go. And, and it should also be said that the chord is so loud and present so as to kind of almost be violent. Like, it, it, it's, in that case if it is a, a perversion of the classical hymn, it has a bent to it. From here, though,
0: I think it's a good place to go on to track 12 because the way that ends it kind of does culminate Sort with of, a fi- like, like a chapter of this album, with well, that way it fades out. Yeah, and also, and it's it's funny that you use the word chapter because what I'd be inclined to say is the next couple of tracks, whereas the previous tracks were very specifically related to their titles, the next handful I think are not as related. I think that there's more digging to be done. Front load track twelve doesn't. Like, a front load doesn't mean anything to me, and in the context of the song, it doesn't either. This is the first track that really feels like a genre to me. Because of the way the rhythm comes in here, it it has a kind of modern versatility that you can groove to. I almost felt like it was
1: a hip-hop kind of sound. It returns to something vaguely catchy. Uh, The warmth, the closeness of it, Mm -hmm. the sounds all sound like it's pure synth, sure, but it's so enveloping. So, you know, he's actually satiating us for once.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a combination of a more MIDI-oriented percussion and a more natural-oriented percussion. It's the first time they feel like they're working both in tandem and towards a goal. And it, it's not the sort of goal that's just going to get a an abrupt change halfway through and then you reference back. This one, okay, we get our abruptness, we get our attacks that come throughout this track... But it does not change the goal. We don't lose the melody that gets developed. We don't lose the rhythm section that gets developed. They kind of persevere through these attacks, especially when they become more abrupt, more abrupt. The background retains a lot of cohesion that we don't really get in the background in this album.
1: I agree. Well, I don't disagree. <laughs> no, I mean uh, this track I'm I guess to be honest that whole little rant about well it satiates you. Uh that's not what I want anymore. Right. He hasn't established himself to be that.
0: So I guess I I think for me the thing I liked about the track is the first time I felt like I could put lyrics to it, not that I need them, but it was kind of nice to kind of have that mental play of oh, I could hear like kind of something rapped over this or even sung it in a certain way. It wasn't the strongest track on the album, not by a long no. shot. But no. for that, it does a lot to set up uh,
2: the next two tracks, uh, Gratitude and "N," which we're going to pronounce Gratitude because we're pretty sure it's the Spanish translation of gratitude, but it also might be something else that Matt's going to bring up later. It, it does a lot to put you in a different framework, at least a different frame of reference for what you're going to be getting because there's no fear. There's no... There's no anger. There's so much of the negative emotions that we had in the previous half to two thirds of this album that a lot of that's gone. Right. So when we go into
1: gratitude, we get something really different. I do confess that, you know, track 11, Him, and track 12, Front Lord, are definitely lost to me uh, as a kind of eh, somewhat pointless interlude between tracks that I really enjoy, such as track 8, Snakes, into track 9, Else, and even to some extent track 10, Umbilical. Then we have 11 and 12, and I'm just kind of meh, and then we go back to track 13, Gratitud, which I am fully on board with again, mainly because it shares a lot in common with track 9, Else. It has a very very tinny, uh, very ethereal sound to it, we're kind of back to this icy beauty, much like in Else, and the funny thing is we, well, we use the word minimalist. I've used the word minimalist for a lot of tracks that are thin. And this track is still, I must stress, is not minimalist by any stretch. But it does have the funny effect of making me picture a minimalist painting, as in a different sense of understanding minimalist. I, I, I see a painting. I feel like I could even start to understand a minimalist painting with, through the lens of this track heard in the background.
0: And also something to speak to when we're talking about setting again, because we get another strong sense of setting here. The high striking harpsichord sound that we get here has a different kind of presence to me. I feel like we could be in a similar kind of ice cavern or crystalline cavern. Like I said but this feels more like think about how we talk about the trope about the the piano you know in an auditorium but i feel like here it's not cliche because the auditorium is this massive cave but the music is actually filling the space whereas the previous track it was the same massive cave in else but the the music didn't quite fill the space so it reverberated and bounced back a bit here it's broader and grander in sound and scope so it feels like it's filling this huge space you're in which gave me a kind of different feeling which i liked that made it stand out from else and i okay i disagree like completely in
2: in in what you saw cuz i didn't see that i didn't see broader and grander i saw actually more complicated but more concise more more stated uh, less profound and more definable but still it remains evasive it remains bright and A curious i'm with you there Um, uh... It didn't feel as broad as else. It felt like it was more homed in on a specific idea. But this idea remains ever elusive to me. Let's
1: not dance, uh, you know, a ritual around the elephant in the room here. There's a lot of dissonance in this track, which is exactly what John's talking about. It is still, it is not, you know, this, once again, this is not satiation here. The fact that Matt sees something broad, well, I am there as well. So I guess I'm kind of in the middle because this is the kind of thing that because it threw me back to the whole, like Icy Beauty, I actually have a very similar, I guess, review of this track as I do else. I'm not sure I like it uh, more or less, maybe a little bit more actually though, and I think it is become, yeah, I do like it more, <laughs> yeah, and no, it's because of that dissonance. It's because the, the, the here, it's a lot denser, especially here I am going to cite timestamps, I felt the need to do that, 128. That there is a chord that fades at the end of a certain phrase, and it is such a dense chord, I love the crap out of it, and it is, I think it is complex, I think it's very difficult to understand what you're supposed to feel at that particular moment, except perhaps uncertainty in the thick of it all, which brings us back to the same, you know, idea of, of the insignificant. I, I can't even I can't even touch this title right here gratitude. <laughs> Does anyone have a theory on how this would relate to that?
0: I mean, it's gratitude without the e is how it's spelled. I, I don't know. I think maybe this idea of falling short of gratitude, which is why it's Gratitude,
1: and this maybe maybe this, not we this make, l- inability to make an emotional connection. We may come back to it in retrospect, but I'm gonna discuss this track through uh through the, its musical language, which I find to be probably near the pinnacle of this album, and near the pinnacle of what I see the artist developing into. It makes me very curious about his future career, in fact. From 2 minutes 20 seconds, throughout 2 minutes 30 seconds, those 10 seconds, the transition here is absolutely phenomenal. The overall track is pretty phenomenal. Ever since you mentioned this this, this harpsichord sound, you know, it's it it kind of is doing what ELSE was doing using the instrumentation in Sever. Because that's the last time we really got a very strong harpsichord sound that kind of dominated. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting, but it's the chord changes here that start to get so warped. I mean, so the reason I cite those 10 seconds is because this is a bold <coughs> Modulation. I'm not I, I'm not sure if he completely modulates, but it always sounds like he's modulating and it sounds like he's he's completely leaving home. Every single chord shift is not really well constructed from a from a voice leading standpoint, which is interesting that we only had him a while back, because if that was a perversion, this is kind of a perversion on on an actual piece. What chord changes that could be so delicately reworked here are instead harshly reworked. I feel like there's a lot of uh parallel fifths in here, there's a lot of you know. Of the things you probably shouldn't do i love it i love it personally i think there's i've never heard a track that conveyed so much consonance with so much dissonance i think this is an entirely new musical language and it's 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 totally his which is why this is right up there in my top tracks for this album it's 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 down to this else and uh, and snakes very interesting titles <laughs> <laughs> from here we go to track Fourteen, which is simply N,
0: E-N, which John had mentioned earlier. This track seems interesting, especially coming from Gratitude, which is what we're calling it because we're dumb Americans. Um, you know, transitioning to this this track that starts with this weird... Buzzing, whooshing sound. It's not even rumble rise. I called it. It it felt mechanical, and it's the first time in a while we felt mechanical. There are definitely electronic sounds in this album. Duh, a da-doi, even. But oh god, yeah, you're right. I threw that in. Yeah, it's happened already. It's can't go
1: back. He's so nineties.
0: you know, it 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 really felt less human here, and and you really didn't get a sense of that. It, it felt, though, in the same way, felt more physical. But there are vocalizations. Which we had, but but yeah, that's the whole start, thing. Those yeah.
2: mutters, those breaths that come in are pure undefinable. Like you can't, not make sense sp- of anything. No, I,
1: I I would call them like half gasps. Yeah. Because they're okay. Was, last time we actually got gasps was in track two, the title track, Mutant. Um, but here we get only just half gasps. It's used here as. Part of the theme, instead of a soundbite. In track two, it was it was a soundbite. It was a, a moment of terror, and it's not really used that much throughout track two at all. You get a gasp, and it's 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 the scariest part of the track, and that's it. He kind of leaves it at that. Here, you just get a series of half half gasps, and they. F- fill the entire track. It, it it forms the rhythm. It becomes its own rhythm here. That's the thing that you're now listening to.
0: Which is what made me also feel mechanical or mechanical human integration because those half gasps eventually just sound like another whirring part of this giant machine because they become so much faster and so much more in sync. Absolutely. But and- that said, I wasn't as much a fan of this one. I don't know. I don't know if I was a fan of it, but I was definitely curious about it. Because the, the way it stuttered and kind of had this fractured feeling, the fractured nature of it hinted upon a kind of haunted feeling, but without feeling necessarily scary. It just gave this idea of something that you kind of objectively observe
1: as you know, haunting or strange or unknown. That's, um, yeah, that's kind of it. Maybe it's just that. It's it's, it's really the the thing that I just said. Like, it, it's only used... It, it's used as the theme, and I don't think it's very effective. And because that allows you to start ignoring it, I think, well, gee, that gasp was really a lot more effective in track two. You know, when it was so so highlighted, especially in context with all the silence and everything. Here, it's just... It's there, and after a while, you don't even hear it anymore. It's just kind of a blur. And and the only real culmination with this track is that later on, it melts. the whole track just melts down into a siren. So maybe it's the inverse in as much as this track is kind of getting a little bit... It, it's, it gets more fearful, but maybe my threshold for fear has actually increased as the album has progressed. I mean, I, he told me to. <laughs> I don't feel the fear.
2: Uh, From my interpretation of the previous track of it being an individual instead of a setting.
1: So you don't even think it's failed fear. You think it's never, he never intended it to begin with.
2: I I don't think, I think it's just mm, approaching the world in a different way from more of a newborn perspective. In my eyes, a lot of what's going on here has been very much approaching a lot of things between umbilical between gratitude between him well especially it's approaching new ideas from a very naive perspective here it feels like it's 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 trying to understand something that is maybe a little bit fearful but you're more more the curiosity the the explosion of information kind of approaching you
1: I don't know. I I, I no, can't no. see it any well, other way. F- forgetting even just uh, like you said. All right, it's like in, gratitude. You know, if you said that that was uh, it's it's, it's a Spanish sort of a place. It's gratitude in, in in Spanish. Well, N is in, you know, in English.
2: Yeah, I can't think of anything else. So if I this one as in inside. I don't. I don't know. I went through every abbreviation that en means or every translation think... of en means in. On Wikipedia, and I got nowhere. I had no
1: connotations, except for the defunct Estonia abbreviation. I think just the fact that it's getting a little bit more abstract at this point in in terms of you being able to understand it. Not saying that it's more visceral. I think it's less visceral here, um, but it's it's abstract in the sense that he would even title the track that if N is in, I mean, just that would be equally as abstract. You know, if, whether it's in Spanish or English, in 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 the in the in the middle of his mind, in the thick of it all. Caught into you know I I thought we kind of already went through this I'm wondering whether the theme is lapping itself here. Twenty tracks is it's a lot of phases you know to this story. I don't want to miss one, but I'm getting a little lost. Well, the next phase, sirens, bleeds directly off of that, and you have to try to view how that respects
0: this track because sirens, track 15, it's only 45 seconds long. So, so yeah, it's specifically called siren interlude, and it it feels like it's the siren that
1: ends the previous track. Goes
0: right into this. It's short, and the John.
1: I the believe sirens. that's the transition. Like it just yeah. m- it melts down, and then you hear a siren. And if you're not looking, well, we change and track. The
2: key is that word "melts." It feels like one of those old Hanna Barbera or Warner Brothers, like warning sirens you've ever seen, or something like that. Just literally melting into a pool. The way it kind of just dribbles off at the end. The way it modulates downward. It's it, it's, it,
0: it, it's it warps itself, and it lends to. I mean, essentially, all it is, it sounds like a siren that's melting. It has a kind of warped feel to it, and it doesn't last long. and goes right into track 16, Extent, which has kind of this warbly kind of texture to it, which links it to Siren. uh, Siren Interlude, I think, is just served as kind of a palate cleanser to bring us into the culmination of the record, which is what the last, you know, four tracks or so are going to do. Extent... It sort
2: of does the same thing but also does what front low did previously it it sets up the next phase the next chapter yeah. of this of this album because extent is it it's hard to see it as anything but waves it's so yeah. hard because it's, the
0: it is the, very fluid.
2: the rising sweeps of it are very much wave hit beach crash over recede wave hit beach guitar right long st- it's 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 that's what it is yeah it's I don't know how
1: else to explain it. Long I'm, string synth sweeps. It's like water glistening. Again, I guess nature's on my mind now. Kevin, this weekend. It it's quite It's very lovely. relaxing. <laughs> it's
2: very. It gains a little bit of steam, a little yeah. bit of insistence as it goes along, but it is
1: is very relaxing. The sweeps just about fade to silence before you get to the next one, and there's two minutes and twenty five seconds of that. Um, at the very end. I guess it's it's calming, the whole thing is relatively calming, but it is also brooding. We always have that duality here on this album. I mean there's there's a lot to worry about in the universe, there's a lot to worry about in life. There's something about this track which I think really brings that out in in a sense of contemplation. Um I guess we haven't truly had that yet, but well, I still feel like I kinda got it, and maybe in a better way back in uh in Else.
0: I mean, I think we'll get more as well as gratitude. But eh. I mean, there is contemplation throughout the album. We have, you're right, marked on it before. I think that John's pretty much right, though, that this does extend to just extent does extend to the next track, Enveloped. Track seventeen, Enveloped, is starts off really snappy, very
2: scat beat oriented. It's it's got a lot of attack, 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 attack. I like the way. This is a nice contrast to what just happened, because now I'm getting energized again, but it's a different kind of an energy going on right here, because we're getting more of the bull drums that showed up earlier, the steel drums. The back and forth of what's going on, this what just is- continuation of attack, is surprising that it's not conflicting with
1: itself. Um, it's not surprising. To me, it's, it's perfectly evident, and that's because... Back to triplets. Love triplets. It's it's. He's working with some more inventive rhythms here, such as, all right, so a triplet, you know, is if you were to just include one triplet, like on the first beat, a triplet of eighth notes, then you'd have triplet, two, three, four, triplet, two, three, four. Um, and just by the same token, if I were to, let's say, uh, use the same value of a triplet, I don't have to play notes on each and every triplet. I could say that the third beat is a rest, and I believe that's what he's doing here. So you have a space where the it would be in triple it, and you just have a stress there before you actually get the beat. In this case, he's just doing triple two, triple four, triple two, triple four, whereas the one and three are the beats in which the triplet is actually present. But still, remember, the third triplet of the first and third beat is always absent. That to me is clearly evident here and that's why I love it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's it's mathematics and that's why this has such a cool little little you know, it's it's not a strut really in this case. It is definitely that like high attack uh s- the space that he leaves which makes everything seem just a little bit off. But it's math. Well what's interesting is
0: that it feels a little bit <coughs> off only for the first half, because once we get to a seemingly non transition transition, where it kind of just loops on that triple it a couple times evenly and then we're smack dab in the middle of a song that feels more rhythmic and more kind of sing-songy even though this is clearly a piece and not a song, no lyrics what was interesting to me about the first half is that the way the attacks were happening and that it did kind of feel random even though it wasn't is I got the envision this person falling down the stairs holding a bunch of stuff eternally, huh? like it just the way things crashed, but then it seamlessly transitions to a point that feels
1: more like a traditional song well, sure, and there's a couple other things that are a little bit traditional about it. I mean, at, at least I get some traditional imagery, things that I, I associate with other things, and just by virtue of the fact that they've been there before, I guess that makes it traditional. Eh? It, the aesthetic, it's it's kind of noirish to me. I know that's all a very general term, but noirish in a futuristic way. The the feel of this, barring simply just that that rhythm, it's the sound of of everything feeling a little bit tinny again we're still being very general here but it 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 feels so broad and sweeping i get kind of a mechanical uh but a dimly lit future like a future in which there is less sun you know than there is uh, today, where everything is a little bit more of a twilight, you know, like kind of a red giant esque atmosphere. Even though I'm sure by the time it's a red giant, the Earth would be gone and consumed. Nevertheless, you have that kind of perpetual twilight. Maybe it's just because uh, the sun has been a little bit obscured. But I see a very like majestic city atmosphere, a kind of beautiful metropolis esque future that still has some dim qualities to it. This is the noirish element that I'm talking about, and I think the 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 step of this beat. Is just making me feel like it is set in the future. Actually, it's a futuristic beat. <clears throat> well, the beat actually feels like a kick drum.
2: It, the beat that steps in that really does a lot to transform around the forty-five to fifty-second mark. Right. It it's it's like a kick drum, but it's like a kick drum that we haven't really heard on this album. I don't think we've heard period on this album. It does a lot to kind of solidify everything that's going on because that repetition. Coupled with a very deep pulsing idea,
1: right. This does is also this is a lot to solidify it. It's when we also sacrifice the the basic rhythmic structure that I just that I described before with the triplets and and then the rest before the actual beat. But this is a lot more complex here. It's still working with triplets, but it's it's it, the the transition over the course of that those five seconds is pretty serious. <laughs> and it, it, while it's getting acid-y.
2: while it's getting full of ideas, it's also getting sparse. Like the back and forth between. Uh, the very triplet-oriented, the very scatter-oriented ideas, and the more drawn-out parts of the melody is a another part of just great contrast between the two. Another just idea that he runs with for the rest of this track. Mm-hmm. And he flows through these different ideas. The very full areas have—they seem to never revisit the same home. They seem to never revisit the same statement. Well,
1: that I would maybe disagree with, only because, well— e- Seems. Even seems. If... I use seems. the word seems. Seems. All right. All right. Tone, I mean, tonally, I still feel like it does kind of come back to the same place. I still feel like even throughout the entire track, I'm I'm in this noirish setting. I'm, I'm enveloped in it. In it's, fact,
2: it's full of motion <laughs>
1: and it's fun motion throughout. Like yeah.
2: it, it doesn't really just seem to change for change sake. It, it, it
0: keeps its core idea very coherent. Well, because it's providing a moment of clarity on the track. It, it, the, that transition, though, doesn't seem very much like a obvious transition. When we get to the second half of the track, it's clear we're there. Like, we know where we are and we also knew we were going to get there because of whole, how the whole track arc-wise goes.
2: It's, it solidifies the ideas and this playful nature that shows up afterwards, this way it goes through different motions, and it keeps its cohesion. It's another one of those, well, it's dissident, but it's also very, very coherent. It's I love the way that so much of Arca's work in this album is just contrast. It's just taking two ideas and putting them together in ways that nobody would have seen before, making it very much a opposing idea of long sweeps versus very high attack but making them work within
1: their framework just so beautifully. I I agree, but I I also think that I, I view this track through somewhat of a different perspective only because I'm so used to his really harsh transitions at this point that I don't really find anything very harsh about the changes in this track. I mean, it's I'm all okay with not, it's No all, one's saying that yeah, harsh. Yeah, all right. It's not it's they're not harsh. It's it the is first fun. time
2: I'm just feeling fun when on there this is album. all right
1: so when there is a transition quote unquote it normally just begins another little segment of this sort of harpsichordy instrument kind of doing the same thing and this time it's yeah. like well, I wouldn't even uh, harpsichord is barely even the word for this it's it's extremely futuristic it's very it's very distorted and yes you've got all the same things we got before we got the distance we got a lot of consonants as well you've got very playful rolls you've got very playful uh, uh kind of tapping like a single note will just step through there and through everything else in the spotlight and do a little solo, a little, a little dance solo in the middle of the floor in this futuristic club. I want to go to this futuristic club, and in that sense, the track is very consistent front to back. I, I feel like there are definitely highlights, there are definitely moments, but no matter how much it distorts or kind of feels like it's going to change, it is always just brought back. He's, he's grooving here, and I absolutely love it it's in it's in the bowels of the future you know when the future is like gonna be all these different levels and it's gonna be like five hundred thousand story buildings well there's always gonna be the, the in the metropolis future it'll be thousand story buildings yeah that's like from here to the moon maybe i'm just
2: being off the cuff uh, no again. i well no. now i
1: gotta do the math Five hundred thousand. now i gotta do the math i'm I'll, i will like tell you how far up into the 55
2: atmosphere. million feet
1: that's a really long... Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. Okay, we'll just gloss over the fact that I actually meant 500 to 100... <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that I okay. meant 500 to 1,000. 000... <laughs> well, okay. I really did. You could,
2: go, you could do the I next really track. I really Do did. the next
1: track. Wow, pandering. I'm going to do the next track, track 18. I didn't even make my point yet. <laughs> What's your point? My point is it feels like it's the bowels of something. It feels like yeah. it's the it's the drudgery. But the, but the drudgery's fine. And anyone ever see Metropolis? Yes. Yes. All right. We the original that. 1927 version? No, not that. There's been more than one version of Metropolis. Th- there actually, re- there was a, there was a re- recent re- e- anime. Yeah. Oh, I didn't that's see that That's within the 2000s. Yeah, that's the one I saw. That's what you saw. Uh, yeah. You never saw the 1927 silent film by by Fritz Lang.
2: I'm actually pretty much that's a, a masterpiece Scott when it comes
1: to movies, and I don't watch anything pre 1985. Well, now I get to demean you. Yeah. <laughs> You're missing <laughs> out on a lot. Sure, you can do that.
0: <laughs> Track 18, faggot so there was some debate as obviously this word has two meanings a the derogatory way of uh... you know exclaiming towards a homosexual person and then the actual cigarette overseas mostly in england is called a faggot as well and so we debated (laughs) as what the song meant just by reading the word because it of course is a very harsh word the way it sounds when you speak the word sounds very harsh
1: even if you're not using it derogatorily um, and it was around this time that we read that Wikipedia quote, which we prepared you listeners uh, for, even though you probably probably should have you know, looked up already. Still, he obviously has had difficulty accepting the fact that he was gay, which points to, the, to that being the reasoning. I mean, there's no real reason, him, him being Venezuelan, that he should be referencing the UK version of the cigarette. But after we explain how this track sounds... I
2: think you got to understand one major thing. It's a really beautifully conflicted track. Yeah. And its representation on the album is,
1: I feel like it's empowering. Well, when we were theorizing, I mean, there's a lot of lenses you could you could approach this with. I mean, going off that being the the, uh, the, the meaning behind the title, it's just, it could be the derisiveness, you know that the whole track is just supposed to embody the derisiveness of 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 someone who's you know calling homosexual that in using that word choice which is certainly intended to you know bring up some some pretty harsh emotions it's certainly meant to inflame but at the same by the same token it also could be from the person's perspective it's i don't know whether it's a- external or internal 100% it, uh, first to start off by describing the beginning which one of you i don't remember who it was described it as kind of a broken clock not just a broken clock but a clock that's trying to tell time that yeah. keeps trying
2: to tell you time because you hear, it can't do
1: it you hear the inner working you hear like the metal scratching where in normal operation it should be, you know, if it was a working clock. And then following that, the vocal drone. One voice, one pitch uh, for several beats on end, and then the same thing again. So, so far, pretty abstract. Don't know quite how to take it yet. Let's go a little further into the song. Uh, One minute, 30 seconds. Here, it's a I would describe it as sounding a bit more Asian-sounding. There's certain little uh, flourishes here. A little trill which is very colorful. It sounds like it coming from an an Eastern instrument. Uh, And then two minute one second we get a little bit harsher. A grating pulse that slowly, and I do mean slowly, starts smothering everything else out to a silence. Like it's suppressing it. And that's where I think the anxiety and uh, the the vitriol uh, in, in embedded within the word itself, within the title, starts kind of flushing itself out.
0: Well, you get this kind of aggressive feeling that I don't, I don't know how else you would relate it. It's, it's, and it's so apparent. I feel like other tracks on the album had gotten aggressive or had aggressive. Aggressive outbursts, but here you kind of—it feels almost um... malicious. Yeah, it feels very almost you know lizard brain, as we said before, mm-hmm. in how
1: aggressive it is. Yeah, I I did not enjoy this. It was even difficult to enjoy it uh, from an intellectual standpoint. you have I to think look that's past the point. The, yeah, look past that that pulse because at well, first this... it's a, at first it's a little bit benign, but it gets louder and louder. Yeah, or everything just seems to melt around it. The
2: way it, 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 it transforms it. its glitchiness, the way it transforms the, the destruction of everything else, it doesn't stop anything it's just slowly lowering the tarp or the pillow or whatever on top of the other music and just going
1: Shh, no no it, it's it's repeatedly saying that word to everything else. No. I think it started getting faster as well. I mean, there was a while there where it was playing, the, the pulse was occurring within like 16th notes, you know, for, for three beats on end. So you're dealing with about, you know, 12 notes there, jamly packed, and then followed by, well, the triplet. You've got to include the triplet, on that, just on that fourth beat. Um, And then we go through that cycle again, and each measure consists of that. Just that 12 notes really, really fast, followed by just that little triplet. It, it, it's hearing it loud, fast, the pulse itself, even if it were standalone, would be annoying. I mean, duh, I this is, he's not in a happy place. <laughs> right, and this track and is
0: definitely meant to convey that.
2: And if it's external, it is a very oppressive mean force and if it's eternal, it's an amazingly self-destructive. Exactly. And this combination that you can take it either way, both ways, not great. But what's really uplifting is what immediately happens afterwards. Track 19, Sochiro. And Sochiro is actually the middle name of Jesse Conda, who does visual art alongside Arca. She's uh, the visual collaborator. She did the artwork for the uh, album itself, which is disturbing in its own right, and just glancing (laughs) over a lot of her sort of melted statue work, it's very provocative and I can see where her inspiration and his are definitely overlapping one another. So. This track starts off bright, sweeping, with sort of wet interruptions, but it's that bright tones that started off that really takes the weight away from the previous track. Well, that yeah. does a lot to break the the depression and the malaise
1: and the the, the unrestrained meanness of the previous track. It's bursts of energy for sure, um, and I think you also said it was very externalized um we're, earlier we're, john had said that at least uh, but i i still think that it's not it's it's not livening up the it's, it's not livening up the mood necessarily but maybe it is a little bit less harsh that's the only difference and just to continue my little like parallel thread here in terms of imagery i still feel like he's kind of transformed this album into what i perceive as a kind of like noirish future And actually i haven't heard anything specifically like this uh, since Boards of Canada back in episode fifty-four, their album Tomorrow's Harvest was sounding a little bit like this. It's it's not a comparison that I would have thought of at all in the middle in the in the middle to beginning of this album, but certainly by here, there's a lot more reoccurrences of it, a, a noirish sort of foreboding existence. Which you know, if I perceive it that way, it's. Probably clear that he thinks the same thing even if there was no future presence. There's a lot of things noirish and foreboding about real life.
0: For me, with this track, I feel like to relate it to track 18, if that was somewhat internalized, that this track feels more like trying to escape your own mind, like you're being buried in this kind of internal struggle. And so. The, the dissonance within this kind of beautiful, beautiful tone work that we're getting, I equate it to like fighting through your own mind and trying to use a strength or resolution to break free of it. And that's mostly because there are moments in, in the melodies that come in here that feel like you're wading through something, like either waist-deep water or, like, uh, sand, yeah, a sand. something that those has resistance. interruptions.
1: Yeah. It does and, seem like he's prevented from finding solace. Yeah.
2: Well, those bright
1: screams that show up do a great job of, I
2: want to say, represent his friend speaking into the mind. Oh, sure. I, I guess that might be the only way I can really explain it. It's, it's the message... Uh, fighting against the previous track, bursting through here and there, and that's why it's it seems so muted, so often that it's it the screams are fighting back. These little bursts of energy, whether they're mental or physical, are doing a lot to really combat the monotony, really to combat everything else that's going on and right if there. there's which, one
1: thing he isn't, is monotonous.
2: Yeah, and and if he's one thing here, he's combative, and that's. Yeah. That's throughout this entire track, and it it's almost it almost shows that his muse and his outside influences are what makes him combative, and I, I like this kind of self interpretive
1: insight into this artist. Yeah. Track twenty. Let's track, not delay the inevitable. I mean, 20. track twenty is peonies. At least I believe that's how it's pronounced, uh, which is type of flower. Um. All right, so we're finding meaning behind just about every single title here. Uh, well, peonies. It's a flower, and I can't think about what is particularly special about it, except maybe one thing, if we, you know, consider the last couple tracks here the peony it's basically just a very flowery fragrant you know uh it's a flowery flower yeah it has that description for you Uh, and it's fragrant it's pink it's very beautiful it may actually as a perennial it may actually outlive you and also it is considered to be a line in wikipedia about it being a bisexual flower now i must stress. I know nothing about botany, or whether that's even unique in in the flower world. Uh, in fact, there are actually only two things on Earth that will force me to shut a person down when they start conversation with me, and that's flowers and astrology. But I do love nature, <laughs> and I just enjoy flowers on a very superficial level. Nevertheless, I guess when I read that line, it's the only thing that could make me think if there was some symbolism at play. I'm gonna guess it's that.
0: Well, it could also be, for me, like the way this song musically sound, it has this kind of warped and hollow feeling, almost like a lamenting tone, like in reflection. And like I wrote down, I was inspired to write down "Still Life or Death." This idea of like looking at something that could outlive you, and it could remind, like, if this if this is about the flower, maybe staring at that flower and it reminding you that it might outlive you, reminds you of your own mortality, your own death, your own existence.
1: Something maybe, maybe super not. intense like that. I mean, I it's mean, perennials, at this they, point. They, 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 you know, they they pop up and then they they kind of die. The root is still there, but then they pop right. up again. Yeah, maybe. That could even I mean, be something a that the s-
0: song does really do though is have this kind of strong stumbling almost drunken feeling to it the way that the hollow tones kind of slowly start to warp and unravel as the track goes this idea for me which probably seems cliche at this point of dissenting into madness almost the way it unravels it's not a particularly long track i think that as far as conclusions go for this album, it's not a shocker that it goes this way. It is also less abstract in structure than previous tracks had been.
1: It's a little easier to follow. I mean, this is a strange observation about this final track. It's it's probably the most distorted track. Yeah. Um. Because, and I say that only because you have something consonant in the background that is getting distorted. Like, yeah. for instance, an, a, a, a track like Mutant, I wouldn't describe as distorted. What is it distorting? The whole concept of mutant is is something separate there's nothing to distort that's what it began as here there's there's a layer behind it and you can feel how many filters it's just burying itself so it's not the most grating track at all it's actually a very peaceful ending sort of it's yeah. it's, it's weird but it's you know it's not grating it's just distorted if so much of this album is
2: the the conflict this is probably the only track without it yeah. yeah, you get a little bit here and there, little waves, little pools ah, of, of serenity throughout. Conflict. But to to have us end on on, on a, a
1: drowned steel drum, I guess is the only sound I can really maybe equate this maybe to. it's an ideal, maybe it's an aspiration. The track, but that fact that it's you know drowned and buried it makes it seem so distant.
2: It's also it almost replicates a merry-go-round. In, in a lot of ways, it has that kind of carnival feel to it. And that's a word we haven't come up with. But the way it has sort of an around to it, it's it's it wants to be laughter. It wants to be a happy, bright melody, and it just can't get through to it. But there's no real conflict going on here. It's just muted. It's just... Maybe subdued yeah maybe the, he just says I can't find happiness at the end of the day I can't find happiness even with the acceptance of whatever was going on in this album and I felt like there was multiple layers of just coming into conflict and then defeating that conflict and then coming into the reprieve and the acceptance of it and then moving on to the next bit of conflict in, in many ways this artist showed us his life his soul in digital form true and
1: I, mean, I he, feel he, if this
2: is where he's supposed to He can't find up, happiness. He's, he's a musician, where, you know. He, if, he if should know that that's yeah. impossible
1: for him to ever find happiness.
2: And I think <laughs> his next album is called Reverie, too. Oh, wow. Which is, I don't. I'm scared what he might interpret that as. Like, I don't know where what to is go. There's a revelry
1: from. for Arca. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. All right, we're wrapping this up now. I'm going to go first. This was, I guess, another challenging album. I mean, Varmints, I thought, was pretty challenging. Uh, it was only two weeks ago, but this was just about equally as challenging. It was very different. Uh, it, the only thing it has in common with Varmints is that it, it, it's electronica, and that it generally tries to evade you in a certain sense. Um, it is also very internalized. I think that's something it shares in common. And it's intellectually curious. All those things are extremely positive. I, I I guess I originally came into this album a bit more negative and it had to do with the first half. The first half, there just wasn't an aesthetic for me to latch on to. I really, really found it. Curious. All, all intellectually, I thought everything he, he was doing was was spectacular. But each and every time, I'm kind of just like, I'm standing on the fringe. I'm standing from an observer's window, you know, and looking down on the track. Like, ah, oh, that's that's it's excellent what he did there. Yes, it's excellent. But I I'm secretly thinking like, well, it'll it'll never make it into canon. It'll never become. You know, this is not going to become its own thing. I I don't mean to be so cynical. Because, after all, this stuff is used. In many ways, I see this I see this fitting something visual more than I see varmints fitting something visual. I think actually, that's strangely enough, what fascinated me about varmins because i like I like when music can can exist as music independently I'm not saying this can't I'm just saying that I immediately started placing imagery to every single track here every single motif he developed I'm saying it's this it's this it's that it makes me go here it makes me go there i i I guess that maybe is a little bit of a negative to me, but that's not his fault. That's just my mind's fault, because this happens to share some things in common with my imagery spectrum. Uh, And now that was especially palpable in the second half of the album. But interestingly enough, that's where it got better. Because whereas in the first half, it was kind of all over the place... It was, it was all over the place, it was a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, in the second half, you notice I start getting a little bit more specific and a little bit more consistent from track to track, as in describing a kind of noirist future environment, Some, or, or the icy uh, the icy cave, things that are just, they're so satisfying, and it's very difficult for me to convey why I find them so beautiful, except to just vaguely describe. Well, that's where my mind goes. It's kind of like pulling up, you know, a a, a YouTube video of some kind of classical piece or of or of any instrumental for that matter. And then you find, well, what what is this? What is the still shot going to be? It's probably just going to be a picture, maybe some some really inventive work in, work of art by a uh, by an up and coming graphic designer or maybe just a straight up illustrator. And sometimes I come across them and I say. Well, that's kind of arbitrary. I don't really see that or feel that at all. So what do I do? I minimize the window. I don't have to look at it. I just focus on the music. Other times, I'm pleasantly surprised. I look at it, I'm like, whoa. That is, that, that, that's that. You're here. You're with me, man. I'm I'm there. I'm in that picture when I listen to this. And it's pretty amazing that we came up with the same conclusion. Uh, I guess... I guess that is a positive for me in the end. I like to feel that there are some connections that are relevant, but I don't know whether that's something that Arca w- would have would have pictured. I just know that the music was beautiful. It was inventive, and I do think it has the capacity to change how we think about electronica in the future. This is why we're, we're doing so many electronica albums these days because I get to kind of I get to kind of be as close to my classical influence as as possible. It's it's basically the same concept. Open doors, try to follow some semblance of form, try to not alienate your listeners, but do, by all stretches, introduce them to something wildly new. Take them down a journey, take them into new worlds that you are opening up for them, and maybe try to tell a story in the process. I do think this is an album of internal conflict, and I think we address that pretty thoroughly every step of the way. So where does this fall? It's easily in the fours. Easily, I, I was not even so sure about that initially, but when the theme starts falling into place and when the album started getting so much better from my perspective, it started satiating me simply by accident. I, I knew it was going to be in the fours, and now it's just a matter of where. I think that the only thing this album lacks is enjoyability. I think that... I cited the tracks where I'm absolutely enjoying myself, but is that a... Is that a a consistent truth from front to back. I, I want to just stress how incredibly, you know, subjective the word enjoyable is. This is why we're doing this after all. But to me, I guess that's the one thing that maybe Varmint's had that this didn't. She was able to be avant-garde while also kind of making me flail my arms as I described in that episode. I, I And I guess I wasn't doing this here. But is that something that an album needs? Well, stay tuned because we're probably going to be having this discussion. Uh, I think on pure gut instinct I have to leave this at a very 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 high 4.75. I'm just not putting it into 8 and 9 because I think maybe there's some things about this that artists can learn from but I think the enjoyability and the, the incredibly internalized nature of it may keep a lot of people away. There are areas in which it could Go a little bit further, in which it could cross over. It kind of stays in its own little, in its own little spiral, but it's a fascinating, fascinating spiral that everyone should, I think, at least visit uh, once or twice. For me, this album, I think, it takes me back
0: way back to when we uh, reviewed the Paper Chase. Not necessarily in structure or tone. Well. Tone, but not necessarily in structure or style. For sure, tone though. Uh, Paper Chase was an album where I rated highly-ish because I didn't like it so much. And and what I mean by that is that how it made me feel, the lack of enjoyability on a personal level, but the understanding that it was meant to make me feel that way and that uncomfortable. And there's a sense of that from this record. I think that there are moments i meant to enjoy, but there are absolutely moments i meant to feel completely uncomfortable, unnerved, and out of sorts. And it conveys those things so well, it's no secret that I tend to latch on to emotionally uh, exploratory albums. And here it explores emotion in just such a unique way that I feel like I'm being forced to feel. Not even that I feel it myself. That it's just making me feel things that are latent, you know, within me. And that the songs and the instrumentations, not songs, pieces and instrumentations are pulling it out of me. Um, which is interesting to me because I don't know that I've quite experienced that, especially with an, with an instrumental album and for sure not with an electronica album. Um, you know, last week I brought us something that was on the lighter, more digestible side of electronica. It still had some interesting stuff, but M83 was definitely more... It was it was a lot easier to understand the perspective he was pursuing. Whereas, you know, Varmint and this... There's more room for interpretation, especially on this record. You know, M83 was playing it down. Anna Meredith and, and Arca, they're playing it up. Right. And so having those spectrums, I think that I, I can't not rate this album highly just because it's doing something that an album I rated on the cusp of high did way better. But again, I am in a similar place to Steve. I just don't know that I'll go back to this. I think it was an emo- emotionally exhausting album for me. And that's not a bad thing. Um, John pointed this out off air, and it's actually a great comparison, and we'll probably get into this a little more after the album review. But this is like my requiem for a dream of albums. I'm glad I experienced it. I want to experience it with other people, but alone, I don't think I can ever go back to it, because it just drains me. I can never go back to it, period. Right. So, you know, in the same way that *Requiem for Dream, if you've seen that movie and you recommend it to someone, they always say it's great to watch once because it's highly depressing and disconcerting. But it's worth experiencing. And I feel the same way about this record. So for me, I'm in the same place Steve is at, but maybe a little lower... <laughs> I don't know. I, kind of the way I'm talking about
1: it, it makes me want to err on the side of higher. So I think. Let me throw out one idea before maybe it'll help your decision. A sure. Little bit. I, I I'm I was having a little crisis of faith here because I'm like 4.75 four, for simply not enjoying it. Even though I lauded everything else, I'm wondering like, uh, is this worth a four eight? Is this worth a four nine? Is this right where Meredith stands? I probably took her down, you know, for for from a five for more than this. Yeah. If you really think about it the way I just described it, uh, there's one more thing. There's just one more thing this album is lacking in its fluidity. I think that that it, it's something that from in the beginning I, I feel like I was going to end in a completely different place. Yeah. I feel like maybe there it would have been more consistent if maybe he stuck with the fear. And then the fear is definitely left a little bit at the door it becomes more uncertainty and it becomes other things that are actually a lot more beautiful the album kind of grows on me as it progresses it makes it less fluid though it, it means that certain things are not tied in a hundred percent throughout and that occurs also within the course of tracks tracks will completely change their emotion you could argue that maybe that's the way the human mind works and i think that's a lot of what he's doing but it is still it's it, it's very harsh and i would argue at times a little bit too impulsive it could have been a slightly Better composed. See, and for me, that just pushes it up because that's
0: exactly why I think it accomplishes what it accomplishes because it's reflecting internalized human emotion and mind. And so, for me, it's why I'm rating it at a four point eight because <laughs> because of that. Hey, that's cool. It, it's it's because of that specific perspective and and kind of inability to stick to a thing it completely reflects what a troubled mind goes through and so for me i think that pulls me
1: in even more emotionally so 4.8 for me well i've got one more person before i if i reconsider
2: when someone you meet someone for the first time okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tell a fictitious story you meet somebody for the first time they go up to you you're hanging out it's like let me tell you a little bit about myself well this guy told you about himself and it's not just an autobiography in many ways because you know, even when you're completely honest about yourself, there's still a rose-colored lens in front of what you're remembering, what you're seeing. Even if it's the most terrible things, it's so hard to portray that. I mean, you still wanna make excuses in so many ways. There's no excuses here. There's no rose coloring here. This individual, I, I don't know if it's Arca or not, but if it is him, there's a lot of demons in this guy's closet and he so eloquently portrays them. Yes, it's it's scattered, it goes through different areas. How often do you truly hear somebody expressing like pure undiluted fear in music form? How or hopelessness or anger or 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 lust or rage or or just depression, or self-destruction. It is beautiful in how just bared soul it is. And you're right; it's not an album you can go back to because of how honest it is. And this is this is why it's near perfect, I guess. <laughs> I guess because it just can't be played on loop. It can't be a five. Is that is that what it really is coming down to? It's not a tr- an album you can just, like, dive into every minute of every
1: day. Does that—the only thing keeping it back from being a five? I had my, uh, like, a, a, a question, an existential crisis on what is a five the day of Anna Meredith. I mean, my question was does it have to have the same exact arc as Godsticks are my only reference point at this point. Um, a, you know, a trilogy, all, all of those crowd pleasers, because that, that was an album full of crowd pleasers for me— having a trilogy, having the soft track and doing each one so well. This album is antithetical to a crowd pleaser. But I think for
0: me, at least that this brings some clarity, is the reason I'm keeping it at a four point eight is because there are some tracks I just don't think are good on this album. And that's for me is what's holding it back is the melting siren interlude. It's an interlude, so fine, but there's not much to that. Yeah. yeah. You... you know, and, and and even Beacon too. It's just fuzzy distorted noise. Like I get that they're okay, supposed to no, represent I... stuff. But argue
1: with you on that one. Can pa- I just interject that this is the first time we've actually had to have a conversation amidst our monologues to reason our yeah, monologues? Like, but I think it's necessary here. I,
0: I do too. I just there are definitely songs here that I feel like there could have been more or interesting or, God knows what else he could have done to it. So this isn't a perfect record to me. I see imperfections in it. It's just emotionally I'm pulled past them, which is why it's rated so highly.
2: I want to say one thing because I agree that there are imperfections. There are tracks I do not like. I don't know what could be more humanizing than that. True. I would even wager a guess that some of these imperfections we're seeing, considering the distorted nature of the album as a whole, the way everything feels off-key. Yeah, I feel like they may even be intentional. And that, I think, is what's going to keep it from a five. I think in just the tiniest bit, he went too far just the disturbing nature as a whole of of actually coming to understand levels of fear and anger is might be just a little bit
1: too far not to interrupt but i disagree with that completely had he not gone this far had he even been just a step or a hairline shorter i think this might have been in, like in the high 3s
2: well I it's it's just it's, that, it's that it, final it's its step, strength that's carrying. No no my, my it would be just like a little bit too much reiteration of said fear. I maybe maybe. a little bit too much reiteration of conflict might be what keeps it there because it it feels like it might be just one too many points. But don't go back on way.
1: yourself. Don't go back on yourself. You said earlier, you know, there's something. If someone, if you want to get to know someone, you want them to tell them because everything about themselves. That's the sign of like, they're ready to open up. And he absolutely does here. You know, whether even I'm indeed like lining up on every single level. That like the, the, the things that he does aesthetic wise are totally up my alley when he gets there. So I'm getting that I'm getting something both different and and I'm getting satiation at the same time. That's pretty incredible. Okay, five. Uh, I'm ready to go. I'm done. Five. You convinced me. Thank you. Interesting. So John to five. Am I? Uh, are you set, Matt?
0: At I'm your at rating? four point eight. Yeah. I, I I can't. The way I rate, and because I invested so much in the heart it of the heart, if I can't enjoy it or go back to it. It it within the way I describe my my
1: scales of ratings. It's it's that's that's a a, a break for me. And I, I mean, I say, feel like I just convinced myself a little bit here, but um, I it, feel like this. I is know. Like, I at least know I'm going my up my to four point eight now. I've considered here's, another other four point eights. I know I'm at least there. Here's my
2: final argument. Go. For I it. know you're not going to go back to this album over and over again. I'm not. I I'm I'm right out there. I'm not. But I know this is something that is never going to leave my iPod. I know this is something that one day in the future, I'm going to see it and I'm going to listen to it and I'm probably going to get, if not the same, an extremely similar just visceral reaction in, in whether it's in weeks, months or years. Like This album is going to show up again in my life and do the same exact thing to me. And then it'll show up again in my life and do the same exact thing to me again. Like, this is something that will be a touchstone for me to go back to when I want to rediscover it. Because I don't know any other way to quantify this album. As much as we explained it just now, this is so nebulous, so hard to explain without purely experiencing it, that I'll listen back to this podcast, and I know all the listeners who just listened to us go on for two plus hours about this album, you're never going to feel it through our words, because it's it's indescribable. At the end of the day, it's it's too much of an individual. It's a portrait with 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 notes that you just can't experience otherwise. So I know this album is just going to be one of those, not my favorites, not something I sing about and and groove along to or something like that, but something I know is going to
1: just have aftershocks on me for probably the rest of my life. Alright, we know that ratings come out of categories that we feel are most important to us at any given moment. And we know that those change from album to album, depending upon what they do, and what they do exceptionally well. And it may be a different thing each and every time. Um, right, I found a new rating number. This is a 4.89. I'm the series. We haven't of, done
0: eight point eight nine before. I don't. I don't know. I I
1: don't He's know done if we, like nine seven, nine. We 8, haven't 9, done 9, 9, four point 8, eight nine. So why am I keeping it from a four point nine? A couple of those. With, we, are, we have the same starting point as there are a couple of tracks here that I feel are a few are a little bit pointless. It's impressive. He does what he does over a twenty track album. Most of these are pretty good, um, but there are a few that I do think are absolute. You know, yeah, they are throwaways. I'm gonna go that far. Um, but you know. Ratio-wise, that ain't bad for twenty. Why am I really putting it down to a four point eight nine? I think I have a little problem with the texture here. I think that text—he—he he does a lot with the electronica tools that he's been given. The guy is twenty-six years old. I don't know if we've really stressed this. He's born in nineteen ninety. Uh, I, that's insane kind to me. He's already working with Bjork and Kanye West.
3: Yeah, True. I
2: mean, he's already working with like like, some very interesting individuals in the scene.
1: Alright, so, but to get that out of the way, am I- am I just not putting it up just because he's young? No. But I want to see him do more with other things. I want to see this guy develop his composer's skills. I'm not saying electronica artists can't be composers. I want to see other things here. I want to see strings, I want to see this a little bit more well-rounded. If there's one common element here, it's the beat work, it's the return to piano with reverb. A lot of this stuff is still a little bit constrained. I want to see him develop that structure into a much larger environment. he 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 does what what he has really, 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 really well. That is maybe a little bit selfish on my part because I know the aesthetic that I really latch onto, but uh, that's that's where I have to keep it.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, I'm sticking where I am. I'm, I'm going to be a stickler and, 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 and stay at 4.8 based on yep. how I feel about it. But John made a good argument, though. John did make a good argument. Also, I think it's important to note that in the hundreds and hundreds of episodes we've done, because we've done so many episodes, it's not hundreds of hundreds, it's hundreds and almost another
1: hundreds, we're getting to the second set of hundreds. True, but anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I couldn't. Just to clarify, I'm not saying, and this is going to go into our topic now, because as we uh, t- t- sort of debate on what we enjoy most, you know, about uh, about albums, it. The fact that, like, if we are confronted with something that makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit uneasy or not even going that far, if it is just a little bit off the beaten track from the from the things that we hold as ideals in our own of uh, taste spectrum, if they're just a little bit off the beaten track, if they're just a little bit deviant, is that really the kind of thing that will keep that work away from our, our favorites, from our, our little go-to pile that I know we all probably have and we, we build up throughout our lives. Occasionally something will get demoted, you know, but there is real, we all have our tops. And, and for me that I was wondering that just the fact that I even did that right there and withheld for, for aesthetic and, and, and instrumentation, texture alone, like that's usually the kind of thing that we say, oh, well, it's unique and everyone has their own brand. Does that mean that I wouldn't rate a, a all piano album, um, like a five just because it's all piano clearly working within a very narrow spectrum it's one instrument i i'm not saying that i am saying that like i i guess i do value certain things over others i do be i do believe that piano is kind of an eternal instrument and i believe that electronica is kind of a messy Community—it's a little bit buried, and it's easy to lose yourself, um, and it's easy to borrow back and forth between a lot of other artists. I think back to Boards of Canada. I think back to so many other electronic artists. I think some things have a bit more gravitas throughout um, the musical pantheon, and and I guess uh, that is a bias, and I'm admitting it. It's very tough to do. I like new. I I like familiar. I I like
2: familiar. Don't get me wrong. uh, The new—that's paramount. That's the, the new Weezer White album I'm, I've been enjoying immensely, but I like, I like provocative. I mean, I started this show explaining my choice because I like the word experimental, and I like the fact that I'm hot-cold on it, and I'm conflicted about it because experimental breeds just intrigue and dissidence and unhappiness and happiness all at the same time. I like things that are abnormal. Because when you're listening to something that's abnormal, it's almost like pioneering your own trail, getting to experience a new world, or finally finding a new flavor, or a new color, or a new smell, or a new sound. It's great. But I will, a lot of times, go after new and harp on stuff that sounds familiar. I mean, I did it last week. But I think I'm justified in a lot of these things. Because if it's been done before why do it again why reiterate it it was it feels like a lot of times these themes and these tropes that we see pop up they were strongest when first done they were strongest when they were new by reiterating it and trying to shine a new light on it or using it to to the same effect a lot of times i feel like well all you're doing is restating all you're doing is quoting a genius instead of trying to be the genius yourself and I know I got a bias towards it. I know that I I do
1: go, well, that's been done before demerit. All right. First of all, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> is, like I said, paramount. I think that actually is maybe one of the only things I would actually uh, say you're not being selfish for. I know someone else would argue that, but from my perspective, I don't believe that is... It You admitted it as a bias, but I think that's one of the only areas where we can be relatively objective because... You know when something's done, and you can you can compare, and you can prove. But at the same time, I, I still like my Weezer. Rivers Cuomo's voice hasn't changed in X number of albums. No. All right, fair. Well, I'm gonna throw some, I'm gonna throw something else out there, and and this all kind of this particular topic is going to stem from like afterthoughts on literally, and this is not a, a slight to to Arca at all. It's literally trying to scrape the floors to find some kind of critique for this album. Um but they, they, they come to me, but they come to me as afterthoughts because I know where I am intellectually with this, which is why I, I pretty much knew where it was going to be after it started developing. But one of my other biases, for instance, is form. This is something that I think it's it's a little bit of a cheap shot for musicians that do work within uh, such narrow track lengths because if you're only down to like 49, 50 seconds, I seem to recall, you know, you guys being exceptionally critical of of one artist named Flying Lotus, and it was in both episodes, the one where we weren't terribly organized back in episode 19, his album, Until the Quiet Comes, um, and in episode uh, 131, in which we featured Tony Catalano, and we reviewed the album You're Dead. In each case, we were really, really combative against the, the such narrow track lengths which with, with which he was working with. Now, he's an electronica artist, and I think he was pretty much just as on the fringe as this guy, as, as Arca. He was creating wildly new things. They were fusion, you know, the thing that he didn't have, and we can admit this, we really were hard-pressed to come up with a theme for that album. Um, Arca works with slightly longer track lengths, but no matter which way you cut the pie, my bias is more exceptionally long track lengths, which is why I favored Godsticks, because I thought that each and every time they tackled a five-minute track, a six-minute track, a seven-minute track, they're dealing within, like, you have to create a story over this entire time frame that at no point sounds repetitive, that always de- feels like it's developing, that always feels like it's 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 evolving an emotion and that it doesn't go back on themselves and that remains entertaining and that has a palpable climax and just over the course of that time, it's so much harder to do. This guy tackled that once and he was definitely successful in Mutant. Um, But I didn't hear it again, and so it's like, I guess I have a bias against, you know, keep that trend going. That's when you really will just impress me hands down, you know, all hail ARCA. (laughs) I feel like the most interesting thing
0: about all of this, though, is that in all of the years that we've been doing this, we've never had an existential crisis Amongst our wrap-ups, and then had to talk it out. Like it wasn't. It was very clear that not just Steve or John or me needed to talk it out. We, we did it all once. All
1: did. We did it once in episode 42, Paramore about Paramore, where we just kind of mused on the future of Paramore, and that did go down as our topic of the day. Um, but and, this, but I that think, was, was that m- was quite, admittedly, an error. <laughs> we well, were unprepared with the
0: topic. Well, and I think here it's it's less about not having a topic, and more that.
1: Our wrap-up's evolving into a topic, and the fact our that our topic we, indeed was going to be in, in enjoyment and how you know and, and bias, but right. it's just that is tethered to this. I mean, there's the seamless discussions from the. Uh, Wrap ups into this, and we, yeah, and we've
0: been talking about it pretty much the whole album. I mean, you know, I think it's just fascinating that for me, an album that makes me personally have to think this much and also get so invested in
1: something I may never go back to is just mind boggling on its own right. Right, and another thing, of course, that I previewed was, you know, the uncomfortable. Obviously, that's that that's almost that's a more um, understandable bias in many ways, than some of the other things that I just addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can be objective against. Uh, things that are clearly revisiting old, old motifs. You could say, well, it's not new. It's not fresh. Objectively, that's, that's, that's my bias. That's where I stand. Um, and you can't argue against it. But there is another thing like uncomfortable is different. It has a different threshold for everyone. What is uncomfortable? It fear, you might say that fear is pretty universal, but then there are also people that get exhilarated there. It's in the same way, like, uh, C- will you come into the haunted house with me? You know, at at, at the uh, the no. carnival or on the pier? No, I won't. You won't do it. I don't see? like. I don't like. I know a I lot of like other people would, that would be the same way. They wouldn't. They wouldn't go in. And I'm like, really, really? That like, I see that through the lens of your. You're your your childish scares. for not taking that jump. Well, I mean, you no, know, because it's how foolish I feel after I get scared. Because inevitably the jump scare is going to get see, me. I don't feel foolish. I just feel like I, I feel like I'm part of the act. I feel like, hey, patron, successful artist. Well, I think that comes from a place also is that some
0: people enjoy things that others don't because the receptors in our brain are wired just a little differently. The idea that some people enjoy pain while others don't want to be in pain of any
1: kind. You but know, you see my point, actually, that it is extremely subjective. One, yes.
2: of, one of my favorite things, uh, which will always draw me back to video games, is along the same like vein, I guess, instead of jump scares, I like... Getting a very difficult challenge where like so much is riding on the line, where everything is on my back and on the backs of my teammates and everything like that, where we have to hit that moment, we have to do A, B, C, D. There's an objective. There's there's a time limit. Everything gets down to the wire. It's why I love watching sports and. God, uh, the the Golden State Warriors had a great game because of the overtime and everything like that last week. It was uh, two weeks ago. It was an amazing game, but it was just so intense because it went from down sixteen points, and then by halftime they're still trailing by nine. But within the last five minutes, they actually take the league and then and then it goes down to a tie, and then they explode out in the in the in the overtime period, and it's just it was an amazing experience, one of the best sports games I've ever seen. But I love the pressure of everything.
1: That's where it gets down to. And I guess the obvious antithesis to this is there are a lot of people who don't work under pressure and not like to be in that situation. That's that's fair. Um, I might be one of those people. I'm not sure. I was never good at at team sports. No, you work well under pressure. You just don't seem to thrive the same way I like to. (laughs) Well, that's out. Well, (laughs) I will never play a football game with you. That is absolutely for sure. No, you don't want to try to match my speed. He's fast? Is he? Is he Matt? I was I've one. never played a sport with John, so I have no if idea. If I was
0: in if I was still in shape I'd be an extremely useful wide receiver. <laughs> but considering
1: <laughs> he's end. not it's in shape and end. he smokes have fifteen maybe I have a chance actually. Ten, ten years ago I would it would I would have smoked here. All right, it's nice to know. Um, another thing that I think is, is really subjective is, is just, you know, remember the way I, I interpreted how, all right, well, the beginning of the album, it's full of fear and I still enjoyed that in a, in, a, in a different way, but then I was really latching on to those parts at the end where it was like lining up with, with certain elements of beauty and dissonance that I'm always searching for in music. And it was a little bit more pared down there, and it was a little bit more of a relaxed pace, despite still being foreboding. Well, I could easily see someone take that in the reverse, where they're all about the fear, and they're all about the exhilaration, but they get bored, or they just don't like the dissonance later on, or it's just like, ah, eh, this album kind of petered out. Like, I could see that perspective. I could easily see that perspective, because maybe there were a lot of people that, as of track number two, as of Mutant, they wanted an album full of mutants literally and figuratively. They wanted that seven minute behemoth and, and and a demon behind every corner. I could see someone having that perspective, in which case, yeah, this album kind of phoned that in, but it went towards something that I think I valued more, but that in itself is extremely, you know, subjective. You could put on some soft music in the background. There are a lot of people that are just going to say, yeah, kind of bored, kind of not feeling it, or, you know, "This is uh, this is music for pansies. Any of those perspectives are valid, I think they're wrong, (laughs) but they exist. They're all, it's all out there. We've established on this show that people are allowed to be wrong. People are allowed to be, yeah, I guess that's your saying. Yeah, Uh, But we should, uh, we're also allowed to never listen to John. But
0: I think that's what an album, what holds the importance of an album like this, is that if it can elicit that kind of a reaction as well as this it just furthers its versatility and how it can be perceived
2: I, I believe it was Matt that said this off air he wants to share this album with other people and I said the only way you could do it is by not explaining it beforehand absolutely that, just, so
0: go listen to this then call me
2: which is one of the reasons why we always spur our listeners to listen to the music as we're trying to explain it to go back and forth or to even experience the album beforehand and then listen to it well, because a lot, something like this, it's,
1: it's still just so hard to explain in words. If there has been a landmark achievement for today, it's certainly that I think in 194 episodes of the podcast, I have always kind of championed the objective. And I think for the first time, I am kind of fully understanding both my and Matt's reasoning for a bias withholding of the five like that it is grounded in bias and maybe it always was but i would always i like you guys know when i get to a five i'm pretty avid i'm pretty i'm pretty You're vehement usually about it
2: before we start recording yes i
1: like even the car ride yes. over it's like but you've now i understand caffeine. that there's an intellectual approach to a five and I, I i'm perfectly happy that john found one i'm actually really happy for you Thank like you. finding new love you convinced great me. to find a new you album you love me. And, and I have to the end of the year to see if it convinces me. <laughs> right. Um, uh, let's move on here to our uh,
0: Spam of the Day, and then uh, Steve will tell us what we're doing next spam week. Spam of the Week. It's not of the day. Well, we're not I mean, he could be
1: looking day. them up every day. I mean, right, we get in a... Spam every day. And today is a day. A day. It's yeah. a Spam of a day of the week. En caso de alguna tienes que estar preocupado por su salud de entrenamiento o la salud de su hijo. Uh, tienes que consultar con un médico entre otro sonido profesional de la salud. Tom Brady, mariscal de moda, mis cerca a la NFL, está ahora trabajando con UGG para ayudar a transmitir uh, el mensaje de la marca. Esto muchos bien los productos para los hombres. Bless you. <laughs> First off, that's a derivative. No, that was
2: Spanish and Tom Brady, which upsets me because I freaking hate the guy. He's a freaking (laughs) cheater. All right? He's a cheater. His team's a cheater. They get fined every year for a new type of cheating, and it just infuriates me All right, that John. they keep oh, it oh, away oh, with without t- t-
1: enough. We got him, thing. got him on a thing. I, I do not recommend emailing us again. I <I-Z-C-3> z c y t m whatever. You, you made John angry. I don't, I don't. like you anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's not you're because a, of a I'm a, New York. You're a, a bot. You're a, sp- a bot. I'm
2: not and a fan of New York teams. All right. I actually like the West Coast stuff. 49ers wearing their hat
1: off season. Besides the point. He might not stop, Steve. Maybe we should just talk about next week's record while he You guys ready to do? Yugen? Who? Yugen. It is a band. Uh, they are kind of proggy. No, I'm not going to commit to that. They're proggy-ish. Okay. And proggy they're from, from Italy. Not even... They're not proggy ish or proggy.
0: They're proggy-ish. There's two quantifiers Pro, yes. on <laughs> prog. Exactly. He's so
1: unconfident that he used two. What's exactly. A, but like... I don't know what a Yugen is. Okay. I can't verify. Can we know the album name? <laughs> the album is called Death by Water. Okay. A little more enticed now? Maybe that's a book. I I, I haven't read that book. You would know. Yeah, that's I true. Saw, I
2: saw it. It's on my list. I got a really long list. but it's supposed to be So
1: like, the, the track
0: record of bands that we have no clue about and Jumping in Blind con- continues. continues. I don't know. I did a great job today. So Whatever. hopefully hopefully Steve follows us up with something awesome. I hate you both. <laughs> yeah. All right. On that, shocker. please tune in next week. And remember, music is life. And, and life is
1: good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Courts podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one on one interview series, Crash Courts Autographs. To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also, receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.